Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Meanwhile, of course, you've got this uh, heat wave on the west coast of uh, Canada, 45 and 50 degrees and what have you, and 500 people died in the last two weeks there in the northwestern states. And uh, one of the papers this morning, The Mirror, talks with an Irish woman originally from Meath, Ashling Saunders, who says the heat wave has been tough. Most places are not air-conditioned. Many buildings are old, very hot. And she says she's working from home, which, to say the least, must be very, very difficult with the scorching temperatures. That's a story from uh, the west coast of Canada this morning. We don't have any of those kind of predicaments to deal with. Uh, mind you, there was a kind of a bit of a tornado knocking around yesterday. Somebody sent me a video of it. I'll have some more on that a little later. It was an amazing thing to watch all the leaves get caught up in a circle, just swirling and swirling and swirling. Looked like a tornado. But anyway, the big ticket item at the moment is, um, as you know, uh, foreign travel uh, and also uh, restaurants and indoors in in pubs and what have you. But what we do know, uh, and also, of course, the rollout of the J&J vaccine for 18 to 34-year-olds. So that dominates an awful lot of the papers. Just just very quickly, travel for foreign holidays should be allowed in two weeks, according to the Taoiseach. He said we're on... uh, well, we have our own deadline, which is different to the rest of the EU's deadline. And our deadline is the 19th. That's when they have to have the uh, digital pass rolled out. Mind you, it's more than likely to be a letter in the post, to be quite honest with you. Uh, like, for instance, this morning, the star says letters proving a person's COVID-19 or vaccine status could be used to reopen indoor hospitality to uh, 1.8 million people. Why 1.8 million? Dems the ones that have been fully vaccinated or dims the ones that already had uh, COVID in the past. So uh, no specific dates given, but all those in hospitality are um, clinging on. Uh, with hoops of steel to July 19th. Um, And the mail this morning says that letters will be in the post. Our dining passes are in the post. Not quite yet. When I read that, I said, oh my God, you mean they're posting them already? No, but millions will receive it. Um, That would be your fully vaccinated pass or your recovered from COVID pass for indoor dining and supping, I suppose, from July 19th. 1.8 million people should be getting those letters in the next couple of weeks. I'll talk with Chef uh, Paul Tarot. Uh, Travaux, I should say, uh, in a few minutes' time. My apologies. I think, actually, I need to change him, uh, change how I address him and call him the Reverend Paul Travaux, or else Minister Travaux. He has uh, got himself ordained online, apparently, so that he can, so he can open indoors uh, for wedding guests. That's why it's a headline in the mirror this morning saying, Let us pray. L-E-T-T-U-C-E. More on that, more on that in a minute. But with all of the, kind of Nefed and HSC and COVID stories. The independent.ie this morning is an interesting one where they say that Paul Reid um, is uh, uh, earning €426,000 a year. The HSC chief and it's great money if you can get it. And why should he turn it down if that's his package within the HSC? 426000 not far off half a million. Uh, his, his pay actually is uh, much higher than the Taoiseach, Michal Martin. In fact, it's oh, oh, nearly twice Michal Martin's salary. He, he earns 211,742. So it's big money. Uh, also, Tony Houlihan makes them um, the, 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 the kind of 
I was going to say the rich list, but it's just like a wage list in the Independent this morning. He earns 187,000 a year, the chief medical officer, which is very far behind the boss of the HSE at nearly 360 grand a year. And both of them uh, well ahead of uh, Micheál Martin. I was touching base yesterday with some pharmacies on air who, um, because pharmacies yesterday started uh, jabbing and making appointments for 18 to 34 year olds. Uh, Apparently the 9,000 people um, to get the, the shot. They have a waiting list of 9,000 um, and many pharmacies only got one box of 50 uh, vaccines. They don't know whether they'll get any more, but they've been overwhelmed by young people seeking jabs. And apparently, when you work it out, like the Independent this morning says, there's only one jab for every 10 people on the waiting list for now. As we move closer to July 19th and we move closer to some kind of vaccine start. But um, and, and that, they're low numbers for young people in pharmacies. They really are. Um, I wonder if there's also like a, a maybe um, a no-show list at the same time for people who don't turn up that they can just pick up the phone, call somebody else and nothing goes to waste. But Boris Johnson makes the front of the uh, English Times this morning. He says, really and truly saying this is the right time to end COVID rules and move on. So their July 19th is different to ours. They get rid of the one metre rule, they get rid of masks and working from home if you no longer want to do so. But um, uh, Margaret Buttermer's before the courts again. Margaret Buttermer's from Abandoned. She's the pensioner. She's going to go on trial next Monday for allegedly flouting the pandemic guidelines by not wearing a face mask while shopping in, in, in West Cork. Um, she uh, spent the weekend in Limerick Prison, actually, because she failed to keep the terms of her bail, which was to stay away from shops and other premises frequented by members of the public. And there was another chap before the courts, actually, um, a Frenchman, Lionel Thomas from Ballinhasig. He pleaded guilty to causing criminal damage to a number of COVID-19 signs. Um, he, he put up graffiti like junk science and lies on the signs. And he's been ordered to carry out 100 hours of community service. And you heard that incredible story uh, in the news there with uh, Rory. It's the story of U2's former tour manager. He worked with an awful lot of other big rock bands, including Nirvana and what have you done through the years. A fellow called Peter Currier, 68-year-old, single-handedly uh, sailing across the Atlantic. His engine broke down and his sails got damaged and he was making very slow progress. He was picked up by the Coast Guard and they were monitoring him as he was coming across into Irish waters and they said... That guy's in trouble. He's moving way too slow. He's never going to reach his destination. So they went to his aid. He was going from the Caribbean. He wanted to go to Wales. He's in Kinsale now. And it's a front page you're making this morning's sun and the inside pages. On, on many different levels, it's incredible. And, and well done to him for undertaking it alone. Uh, it's not his fault that the engine broke down. It's like six and a half thousand kilometer sail from the Caribbean. But the RNLI, again, coming to the rescue of those that need it. And you also heard of Compo claims. You know how they changed the compensation system in Ireland? It's made a huge difference. The amount of money paid out now in six months has been slashed. Compo claims have been halved since they cracked down on insurance costs, 50% down with regards to personal injury payouts. So what we want to see next now, on top of that, is a reduction in premiums because one should follow the other. And the papers also talk about the things that the Garda Shikona can and can't do and can and cannot wear. It's a story making the mail today and guards will now be allowed to have a beard uh, again. Um, to be honest with you, I, I had kind of forgotten about that and now that I think of it, I don't know if in the, in the recent past I've ever seen any beardy guards but they're allowed to grow beards and of course many religious aspects within the guard are going like turbans and iron swords or daggers under Sikh faith, that's all going to be allowed 
prayer caps under the Garda hat, uh, you know, hat and things like that. In fact, wearing the appropriate gender workwear that best fits their needs if they're undergoing a gender transition or if they identify as non-binary. So very proactive in many ways like that. They're even going to be allowed to wear little small stud-type earrings. But they still won't be allowed to smoke while on duty, chew gum, have their hands in their pockets, have visible neck or face tattoos... I suppose the rest of the body is all right if you can't see it with regards to tattoos. Hair below the ear for men is not allowed. Why can't men in the guards allowed? Why aren't they allowed to have long hair? Anyway, uh, other things like that. Um, uh, They can't have visible hair buns. They can't colour their hair. They call it unnatural hair colours. They can't wear bracelets or anklets. And they can't have nose, eyebrow, lip or tongue piercings. (laughs) So there's still a few things that they can't do. And one other thing, do you know how many people say, ah, there's a hypochondriac with the cleaning in the house. That house is way too clean. The kids will never build up an immunity to infections and what have you. That's all rubbish. They say that it's rubbish to say that a house is too clean. You know, they were saying, uh, oh, you need to have some amount of good dirt or good bacteria in the house so babies and kids can fight off asthma and food allergies and stuff. Scientists have knocked that on the on the head, so it gives you um, it gives you a, a, a get out of jail pass. The house doesn't have to be as clean as you thought anymore. And Americans, um, they just don't find Ireland interesting enough, according to some new site, some new uh, travel site. They're saying that Ireland is just not interesting enough. It's known for cliffs and Guinness, but really, for all its charm, Irish cuisine can only be described as meh. Meh. What does meh mean? M-E-H. Is meh code for awful, bull, dull, bland, boring, tasteless, greasy? What? The Neil Prenderville Show. Let me put that to the Reverend Paul Travode, if you don't mind. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you, sir? Good. Just, just on that point, what, is, what does the word meh mean when it, when it comes to describing Irish cuisine? You're a chef. I mean, you would take umbrage over that, would you? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it describes more about the person that says it than the actual food. To be My God almighty. <laughs> anyway, um, is it the reverend? Is it minister? What is it? You can call me minister, my child. <laughs> what did you go and do? You went and got, got, bought something online, joined some religious group or what? Oh, it's a lot more complicated than that. I pledge my allegiance to Lord God Almighty and I'm now minister. And uh, I am now in a position to um, preside over weddings or any kind of religious uh, duties required. Should anybody need me? Because we have now discovered that if you have been married at any stage throughout the pandemic, and this is if you if you are bride and groom, listen up because you're about to eat and drink for free for the next God knows how long. You hope. Say, well, it's it's. There's, I've gone through all the statutory instruments, and there's nowhere that it says you must celebrate the day of your wedding on the day of your wedding. All right. So most people in Ireland who got married since the pandemic haven't had a chance to celebrate. They got a maximum maybe of two, four, or six people at their at their wedding. So they can now turn around and say, well, we want to celebrate our wedding with, you know, we can go out one night maybe with the family, maybe one night with the other family, maybe one night with the local GAA team, and one night with our friends, and it's all part of our wedding ceremony that we didn't get to celebrate on the day. And you think that that would, ca- that would qualify as a wedding reception, do you? I'm sure I know. Of course it is a wedding reception. So nobody got to celebrate their wedding. Of course it is. I'd love to see somebody argue with that with me in court. And, by the way, I also renewed vows. And I got a phone call to see if I could go up to Leinster House and see if I could perform an exorcism. So I'm quite busy, actually, at the moment. 
who, who, who ordained you? I'm just curious. How, how did that work out? Well, I mean, it's very simple, Neil. Well, there's, well there, where there is a will, there is a way. So if anybody wants to become a minister and ordained online, let me just say, it's not that difficult if you try it. But what did you, like, what church? Oh, i got to have to look at my certificate now. Please, uh, have you got it there? Well, just, what does uh, it say? I do, I'll tell you. I actually, I did it on the video there now and I said exactly uh, uh, who it was. Hold, hold, hold on there, hold on there a second. Let me just run a clip of the video, if you will, right? It kind of explains no, everything. So you just have a sup of, uh, a sup of coffee there for a sec. So no the million dollar question is, are Trevo's opening up on July the 5th for indoor dining as they promised? Well, let's just say I had a little word in my ear and I was told that if we open, uh, I'd be made an example of, but more importantly, the customers indoors would be made example of and fined heavily. So unfortunately, there's no way we can do that. However, all of a sudden, divine inspiration. And I said to myself, I've gone through all the statutory instruments and the legislation and there's nowhere does it say that if you were married throughout the pandemic and didn't get a chance to celebrate, that you must celebrate on the day you get married. So anybody who's been married within this pandemic in the last 16 months or so is more than welcome to come into restaurants. Now we can take a maximum of 50 people from today onwards, but we think Tony got that wrong, so we're only prepared to take a maximum of 30. Now we might do a few smaller ones and we'll tell the bride and groom, make sure you don't arrive at the same time, wear the same dress, we'll talk you all through it. But I was saying to myself, hang on a second, there must be a little bit more we can do. And I went, well, do you know what? There just actually is. So, guess what? I've gone to one step further. That's right. I would like to introduce you to Minister Paul Trevo from the Christian Global Outreach Ministries has been ordained an independent Christian clergy. This individual is authorized by the Christian Global Outreach Ministries to perform any and all Christian religious services, ministerial and evangelical duties, including weddings. That's right, for the bride and groom or the bride and bride or the groom and groom or whatever you're into these days, I can preside over your marriage and wish you all the best of luck. Look, this is what they have to say. This is to certify that you, that's me, I'm an ordained minister in good standing with Christian Global Outreach Ministries. I'm authorized by the ministry to perform any and all Christian religious services, including weddings. We ask that you connect with the ministry regularly. I will. And continue to walk, minister and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in accordance to the faith you declared in the ordination process. I promise I will. That's right, folks. And by the powers invested in me, I would like to pronounce Trevo's Restaurant open indoors. Christian Outreach Ministries. So is what this a fabulous, fabulous organization. There. What, do you, pay, you, you pay the money and they send you the cert, is it? Well, I suppose in life, and I've learned this since I've become a minister, I think we pay for things as we continue our journey. So, I mean, it's just, it's just a minor part of, of becoming a minister okay. that I'm quite prepared to have done. Okay, so is this a stunt? Are we supposed to take this serious? Well, I think we're about to take, we should take it as seriously as some of the projections that Nessel have given us um, that haven't turned out to be true at all. They told us back in April a moderate uh, opening of society would lead to 3,000 cases by the end of June. Hasn't happened. We were told to be 150,000 of us dead last year. Hasn't happened. One from each family. I know, but we, uh, but listen, we fought that battle before because... No, no, absolutely. But I mean, at some stage, we need to, you know, this all needs to be held accountable for. And there's a brilliant video up, if anyone's on Twitter, on the bank bar. And he basically just goes through the bar saying, this is how we can easily open. You should see the size of the premises. It's a fantastic bar up in Dublin. And it just really, really sums it up that it's 
complete discrimination against, even though legally it won't hold as discrimination, but it's complete discrimination that the only difference as to why he can't open and the staff can't work is because they're not technically a hotel. And it's farcical at this stage, Neil. It's gone like it's, we're in more trouble than people even realise. Even if we open up today, that the amount of bars and restaurants that are going to face closure this winter is just going to be off the scales because we've missed the summer. It's gone. It doesn't matter. I can see it in Killarney. There's already there's already load of cancellations coming into hotels, bars and restaurants because from the 19th of July, our government and Netflix have said you can get onto a plane, you can fly to anywhere in Europe, you can eat or drink a pint or a pizza anywhere indoors in any other European country, possibly come back with a new variant, but you can't do that here in your own country. Mm-hmm. You can be one side of the border and have a pint, you can be the other side of the border 100 yards over, and you can't. And what I said when in the plan when I launched it back in, in May was that we will see the entire Irish tourist economy flock north, which is exactly what's happened. Michael Dean, who's a very respected uh, restaurateur up in, in Northern Ireland, is about five or six restaurants, and said that 80% of his customers in his five restaurants up in Northern Ireland are from down south. That's what we have done to this country. We have absolutely crippled it. Whether they like to hear it or not, that is exactly where we stand. So right are now. you are you now taking bookings for uh, wedding receptions indoors? Oh, 100%. 100%. And it, you don't even need to get married on the day. I mean, obviously, I must get registered for it to be legal standing here in Ireland, but I'm technically now a minister in every other country throughout the world. You can marry them as well, can you? I can marry them as well. I can renew vows. I can do everything. Now, obviously, I need to get that registered here in Ireland for it to have legal standing here, but it's 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 done. I am technically a minister, and it's not that hard to do it. Can you do it? Can you, like, it's not recognized by the Catholic Church, though, or anything like that, is it? It would be well, a civil ceremony, obviously. World, thankfully, in the modern world, there's far more uh, options out there than just the Catholic Church. So it's, it's, I'm, it's a Christian ministry is what it is. But it, it, it's not even do you have to be married today or get me to marry or anybody to marry. If you've been married throughout the pandemic, you can go out and celebrate it now. You can go to a bar one night, you can go to a restaurant another night. And it's technically not in breach of the law. Um, how, how would that work, though? If somebody got married a month ago... And they did yeah. get married and they had a small reception in a hotel or something, but they're mm-hmm. 25. Yeah. How can they go into you then and do all that again? Well, it's part of their wedding ceremony. They were limited to the amount of people and there's no way we can be restricted as to who can celebrate the wedding with us. So here's the second part of the wedding where more people can come out. Okay, and when is, when is the first booking? Is, is it any time soon? We have one the weekend after next. But sure, the weekend after next is probably when you're going to be opening anyway, isn't it? You know what's funny, Neil? I heard this back in February when I was saying I was going to open up July the 1st. They were saying, but she'd be open anyway. Nobody has a clue when we're opening. But isn't, like, isn't, isn't July 19th being bandied about? But July 19th is being bandied about to say they might have a plan come July 19th. Doesn't mean we're going to open. July okay. 5th was bandied about and look where we are now. And you're not expecting the boys in blue about. to, you're not expecting the boys and girls in blue to come a knocking, no? For sure, I'm doing nothing wrong. Well, yeah. No, I'm doing nothing wrong. It's it's already Neil. It's already happening. Yeah, but I mean, you haven't done it yet, like as such. I'm just wondering when you I, actually. I, per- I personally haven't done it because I'd love to say, Neil, come on in for dinner. I can't take any person just off the street in for dinner. But I can if it's your wedding. I can if you're part and of the wedding. Will party. you be wearing the Will you be wearing the priest collar and everything like you do in the oh, video? Absolutely, absolutely. If it's, I'll do whatever the bride and groom want me to do. There's, there's no problems at all. And some bride and grooms have said to me, look, we only can, you know, six people because a lot of our family are gone back to the UK. I said, don't worry, I have a huge gang of a renter crowd if you want to bring them, want to bring them to your wedding too. There's no problems. You can bring everybody into your wedding. It's your wedding. 
All I need is all the contact numbers, the email address and contact tracing and we're good to go. So not, like it's, it's not kind of people who have been doubly vaccinated or had COVID or anything, it's anybody. Yeah, it's pretty much anybody, which, which just shows you how farcical this whole thing is. When you look at all the inconsistencies that are out there, it's just hilarious. I mean, we've heard it bandied about that you can be a staff member non-vaccinated oh, I know. anywhere yeah. but you can't you, then you can't go in for a, a pint yourself have you I mean, run it by have you run it by a solicitor what's your it's, it's the law I don't need to run it anybody can read the law it's there in the statutory instrument interesting text here I think it's official Chef Paul has officially cracked oh that happened years ago <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of fellas says I think this guy needs to see help I saw help years ago and they said they couldn't help me you're just too far off the Richter scale what I'm trying to do here, Neil, is very simply highlight how farcical and how appallingly the restaurant and bar industry has been treated in this entire year. We were t- our, our own Taoiseach told us we were non-essential in the society of the country to which he wants to govern over. That's what we were told, non-essential. Well, you're forward-thinking so, and you don't give up. I, Neil, you know what? Look, you have to fight because it's, it's as simple as this. This is our livelihood. There are so many loyal staff who have stood by their employers because they thought we were going to be back open on the 5th of July. A lot of them are gone and I don't blame them in the slightest because they have to earn their livelihood. They have to get back into work. And I said back in May that the hotels, and again, it's no offence to the hotels, it's just a fact of life, that they were going to hoover up all the staff that were out there because it's a limited mm. part that were available. Mm. And that's exactly what's happened. Everything we said that was going to happen in the plan has happened. And actually to the point, it's worse than what I even thought was going to happen. And the next thing I said was that come this winter, you're just going to see closure after closure. I'm talk- I have grown men, grown adults ringing in tears saying that they see no way out anymore. That they've right. lost everything. Okay, Second, well. third, fourth generation business is gone. That's unfortunately the that's, reality of what's coming that, down That's the, line. A, the worst case scenario you're describing though, isn't it? Well, Nefford are very good at giving us worst case scenarios. Yeah. 700,000 of us are going to be infected in the next three months. So okay. what I'm giving you is a realistic scenario because these business people are ringing me and telling me. I, unlike uh, Nefford, work on real stats, real figures, confirmed figures. Not yeah, Jim Edwards in Kinsale this morning is making the news actually. I see it in the paper saying, what in the name of God is going on with the difference between inside in a restaurant and inside in a hotel? So you're not alone on that one. Listen, can we... Can no, we far can, from it, Neil. In fairness, there's a lot of bar and restaurant owners that have stood up and fought and it's brilliant because that's exactly what we need to do. We okay. need to fight. It's gone past the point of no return now at this stage. Okay, we'll stay in touch, all right? Good to chat. Um, and we'll keep an eye on things. Take care for now. That's uh, Chef Paul Trevoz, I should say. Uh, Minister Paul Trevoz at Trevoz Restaurant in Killarney. Text 0868104106. Where are we at then with regards to July 19th getting on an airplane? More on that next. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. I was doing a bit of Googling and researching different prices of flights after July 19th, right? And I came across a very good article actually in the Mirror that were saying that uh, for prices of flights out of Irish airports from July 19th, they're saying Malaga, July 19th, can set you back 201 euro. Not ideal, but there are bargains there. Not a, They claim that some have skyrocketed, but when I read through it, not all of them. Flights to popular destinations around Europe after July 19th, uh, a lot of them could be deemed as pretty expensive, but you can get cheap ones a little later than the 19th. Like, for instance, July 27th or July 31st uh, to Almeria at 30 euro. Um, like I came across the cheapest flight to uh, the Malaga around about the 30th of July, 17 euro to come back, for instance. One of the best values is Ryanair out of Dublin to Seville, 
eight euro each way. Crazy, isn't it? Um, 140 on a flight on July 19th itself to Malaga. But if you wait three, three or four days, it drops from the 140 down to just 30. So they're the kind of things. July 19th seems to be... Uh, you know, an expensive day. Lisbon, though, on the same day, July 19th, a tenner, a tenner. The cheapest flight to and from Palermo, 30 euro on July 21st. And there's many more like that. There's just a selection of them. Like some are expensive, particularly if you're going to uh, some of the big uh, sun destinations on the 19th. But there's a lot of other value out there. But will people be traveling? And if so, who will be able to? Um, and we're waiting, of course, even though we heard again this morning, Michal Martin says, we won't let you, do- we don't want you to travel but we won't let you down when it comes to the pass. Uh, Pat Dawson is CEO of the Irish Travel Agents Association. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Neil. If you had, because there's bargains out there, but if you, had a, yes. if, you had, if you had a crystal ball, how would you call this? Yeah, I think, uh, I think myself, Neil, that, the, you know, the weight of the hospitality people and having this cert that's, that's going to be posted to us, uh, imagine indigenous cert being posted to us, but we don't care how we get it. But I, I, I think we're on for the 19th of July. I wouldn't have said that maybe 10 days ago, but I think with the pressure, uh, with the hospitality and restaurants and bars have in the country, and rightly so, I, I, I think the 19th will happen. For the 1.9 million or so that have been doubly jabbed or already had COVID only, though. Yeah, well, I was to go tomorrow uh, to Malaga tomorrow. And um, as you know, I'm not 19 or 29 and I'm still waiting on my second uh, uh, injection. So I had to cancel the flight. Uh, That's probably Astra, is it, Pat? Astra, yeah, yeah, Astra as well, yeah. So I'm, I'm now into my ninth week, and uh, I'm, I'm still waiting as such. And there are many, many people, and you know, I won't come on the uh, program complaining about it, but certainly, I think us people, uh, sixty to sixty-nine, uh, you know, waiting around still, and our younger cohort uh, uh, have gotten it. We have less time on this earth than twenty-year-old, so the imbalance is wrong. But once we all get it, look at, uh, we'll be good to go. It's interesting that you say you had to cancel because of that. We fielded a number of texts and calls from people, say in their 40s yesterday, who had their first Pfizer vaccine. They were actually expecting to get the second one four weeks to the day. And they booked their foreign holidays after July 19th. And the second Pfizer vaccines are now delayed and they're told, call back in a week. So they also will be cancelling. Um, so it's not plain sailing, nor is it for the 18 to 34 year olds who are supposed to go into a pharmacy and there's only a jab for one in 10 of them. So it's far from plain no, sailing. How no, do we know? How do we know that this digital pass, you correctly say, that will arrive in the post will actually happen? We can't trust them, can we? Well, it, it has been like that. And, you know, there has been, uh, you know, a big negativity, as you know, Neil, with, uh, against travel. And, and some of it, uh, some of it OK. But I mean, they said the damage is, you know, it's been done uh, with, our, with our different airports and particularly with Cork Airport as such and the reduction of the capacity that's there, that there is there now at the moment. And that so, you know, um, there's no inbound without outbound as such. And, and certainly, you, you know, uh, from a point of view, of uh, I have friends of mine on the way to uh, Dungarvan to play golf today, 15 or 16 of them. And certainly uh, from a weather point of view, it doesn't look uh, great for, uh, for around the golf as such. And we, we, we prefer to be going to sunnier climes. But look, at we've had uh, the patience of Job now. And, and certainly, uh, you know, I expect with, with all the political pressure, I, I think uh, we'll have our certificates by the 19th. And once we follow the regime's, 
Uh, I know the airports are ready for the. Yes, but the guidelines are not to travel. You're aware of that. I mean, the uh, guidelines, yeah, but yeah. that that disappears. A non-essential travel disappears on the 19th. No, of no, July. they're still saying don't go. They're, they are staying. The, the they are, but legally you can. Go. No, no, I know. Legally, uh, yeah, 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 we're part of the European Union. Go. Yeah. So, are you yeah. checking? Are you checking with members of the of the ITA um, with regards to how busy they are with people inquiring or, or booking or have you those no, stats? Are they doing it online or what? No, they're 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 not busy. No, they're not busy, and for the simple reason, uh, you know, the the sort of mixed messages and and the fear of things changing and whatever else. And then, of course, you know, this is a family uh, period of time for people taking away away their their kids, and you know, with the price of the PCR testing and that's being insisted on, it's a costly exercise for you know uh, two or three kids, four or five hundred euros, you know, onto your bill, and then you worry about the fact, you know, if if you get COVID. But while you're out there, uh, you might have to, you know, you might have to stay in a hotel and isolate. But there is uncertainty, and we we feel that the family market is not go- going to travel much this no, year. No, but I'm wondering, are there people booking for August at this stage? You know, no, not not in their numbers, but most of our members have booked people for the last number of months from September onwards because we know from from the different signs that it will be uncertain, and, and we're not definitely sure on the schedules because you look at the different schedules be it Cork Shannon Dublin or whatever else they've changed they're very much reduced and, and that and you know Neil Neil, when you you, you call, call out all those prices and, and fantastic prices that means the flights are, 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 are hardly half full Yeah and are you concerned at all about um hospitality in Ireland because uh, your remit also covers people coming into Ireland for tourism doesn't it people flying into the country no? I am, yeah, I, I, I am, of course, because without one, you haven't the other. But look at, I mean, I, I walked around Cork City and I had uh, some lunch out last... Uh, a, a, spy, a spy told me you were spotted having a bit of lunch on Prince's Street there recently and enjoyed it, I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, but uh, my old haunt down there. But certainly, look, at it's great to see the restaurants and the bars. And, and look, at if you take it, uh, you know, on, on normal Sundays, going back in the day before this happened, the city would not have been as busy. And it was uh, frightfully busy, and it's great to see it. And there was plenty of money being made and, and, and that, and, and many, many visitors there as well. But I, I think the main cohort was between the 80, the 35-year-olds uh, sitting down and eating and such. Uh, us older people, I, I don't think there weren't, there weren't that many there, but certainly it's great to see it. But is it a and, concern and for you that it's still somewhat up in the air regarding indoor hospitality? It is indeed. It, it, it is indeed. And, and you know, uh, the, the people who work in hospitality, uh, those people go away in the off-season uh, w- w- with us travel agents. So, so from that point of view, you know, if if tourism is doing in, well in Ireland, uh, we'll get the benefit of it. And it's very important for the country. And I'm, I'm always thinking of Cork Airport. And, they, you know, they certainly will be, uh, you know, the smaller airports will be slower to get back as such. And that's not good for us down here. And we'll have to keep pushing it. But look, at you have to be positive in our business. And if you're in the hospitality business, then certainly uh, let's drive on from July 19th. Are you saying on behalf of the Irish Travel Agents Association to the public, feel free now to book a holiday overseas after July 19th? 
No, I'm not saying that. I, I would say, I would say from our point of view, uh, we're, we're saying, look, it's the back end of August, early September. Now, if you're fully vaccinated... And Why are you saying that August, if July 19th is the date they can travel? Well, I, I, I think with families, I think with families in particular, I think, you know, the cost of that um, and, and, you know, if, if, if it's a thing that there is a reoccurrence abroad, I mean, things can change with this, with this virus as such and, and our regulations can change Remember that the the the, the, the cert is, is is a European thing, but uh, the, the Irish government or, or or the Belgian government they they have room to manoeuvre with that, and they're not stuck to uh, you know to the. That you could be overseas, and things could change, and you could find yourself quarantining when you come back, or something like that. Well, you 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 could, but I how like, if you're you fully know, vaccinated. Yeah, but I'd like to give it, I'd like to give it, you know, I'd like to give it a few weeks uh, into August and see how it goes. I really would. It's a sort of suck it and see. And, you know, we're going into a new world. And and, and certainly I wouldn't like anything on tour to happen. And certainly we've seen, we have seen incidents where this did happen. But the vaccinations is is the car to freedom. So so look, I'd be positive, but I'd also be cautious as well, because there's an awful lot of money involved. So this is just... this is just European countries. Like this doesn't cover yeah. flying to further afield, like uh, America or you know parts of Scandinavia or South Africa or places. Sure, doesn't. No, no. We're expecting. We're expecting um, uh, uh, the US. Uh, I, I, I think I, I get mixed up, but I think the, U, the US can come to Europe, but we can't go to the US. And as you know, I have family out there. And when would that change? Europe. Do you think? Well, I think I think it'll probably change in. I would I would think August, probably maybe September, um, because the vaccination situation there is ahead of us as such. Um, so I, I think it'll probably change in August when we can go to the states, and I I would certainly very much welcome that. Okay, okay. So that's where we're at for now. And um, there's still problems, though. I think you've been tweeting about the passport office in Cork. Uh, it's it's still closed. Yes. Is that because yeah. of COVID restrictions? I just don't. I just don't get that Neil at all. I look at it's looked like a a, a, a derelict building now. When I was in, in the city, uh, as I said at the weekend, it looks as if uh, I, I asked the question: Is it going to open at all? It's it's in it's it's, it's essential retail. It's closed for months and months and months. And and certainly, uh, you know, I'm very disappointed, and it makes it more awkward for, for people. I know it's online, and that's a great service, but certainly there are many queries, many difficulties, and I cannot understand why it's not open. Okay, because we also had similar questions being asked of the motor tax office. That's not your remit, but people were arriving there from far down on West Cork to find that it was closed and had to go back and do it on online. But in fairness to the passport office, I believe they are clearing through a backlog all the same, though. Yeah, and they are, and, and you know, and, and and electronically and behind the scenes, they're very, very good. But there are people... Doesn't suit everybody. Oh, no, older people, you know, uh, need queries answered and so forth. And it's good. You know, online is great, but it's great to talk to a human being. Okay, so you're optimistic then um, that yes. July 19th will happen. And let's see what happens in the coming weeks. Pat, good to catch up. Thanks for taking the call, as always. Thanks, Neil. Take care. Pat Dawson, Chief Executive Officer of the Irish Travel Agents Association. Although he does say that even at July 19th it might be best to wait a few weeks thereafter. Lines open on that, one 106 text 0868-104-106. i got calls and a rather disturbing email after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. See the amount of confusion because it's changing all of the times. Somebody says here, if I wanted to fly out to Malaga on the 29th of July with my wife and kids, do we still need to do the COVID test if myself and the wife are 
vaccinated. Don't know how old your kids are, um, but if, say, for instance, you and your wife flew out on the 29th of July fully vaccinated and came back, you wouldn't have to do um, any COVID test, no, because you'd be fully vaccinated. And at that stage, you should have this. Like, what's really peculiar is, like, the independent.ie this morning have updated the story now. They're saying, you know, these digital COVID certificates for international travel. Well, it does say digital COVID certificate, digital so that would be on your phone or your laptop or your smartphone, but it actually won't be. It'll be a paper copy. So it's kind of rather contradictory. But those certificates might even be arriving in letterboxes in the coming days. Not, not in a week or 10 days, but in the coming days. And what's even more interesting is that digital certificate that you'll get in the post, they hope then that that same certificate could be used, um, for uh, hospitality, if they can work that out. So they met with the hospitality sector that the certs that would be posted to vaccinated people in the coming days could be used as part of the identity system for pubs, restaurants and cafes. So the same cert would work for both. It's, it's kind of like common ground that they're trying to find. I don't have a date for that indoor hospitality, incidentally. I can't say that it'll be July 19th. Who of us can? But uh, I'll come back to text and emails in a moment, but I don't want to keep Pat waiting. He's with CanaryIslandTrips.com and is on a sunny balcony in Las Palmas and joins me by phone. Pat, good morning. Hi, Neil. Good morning. Now, uh, are Canary you... Canary Islands Tips. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry, Canary Islands Tips. My apologies, Pat. Yeah, dot com. Thank you, Dave. Thank so you, you flew um, to Gran Canaria. How, how much, incidentally? Seven ninety-five uh to get, get over here. Now, it did cost me €19 Euro to get up an air coach to Dublin Airport, but uh, 7.95 with Ryanair leave. Each way? Uh, no, I pay, I'm paying about €50 Euro to come back, I'd say. My so God, oh, man, 7.95 to fly to Gran Canaria is insane, yeah. isn't it? Now, yeah, are you like, are you fully jabbed? Did you need to I've, take a PCR test, antigen, anything like that? I was fully jabbed and I was at least 14 days after I was fully jabbed. Yeah. And I took an antigen test. I think uh, down a ceiling, chemist in Blackrock or something. Yeah. Uh, 49 euro and it took about 15 minutes. Later and why, when, you, when you landed in Spain, Dan, when you landed in the Canaries, what did they look for that test? Do you know, that's the strange thing. Um, before I travelled Ryanair in their booking, uh, when you get your boarding pass, they asked me to upload the test. Now, I just had a paper thing, so I just took a picture of it and uploaded it onto the boarding pass. And when I got to Spain, when I arrived, nobody asked me anything, you know. So I, I'm not sure if Ryanair passed that on or something, or okay. I don't know. But because before July 19th something, you know? and everything like that, and you don't have a digital pass recognised no. in Spain, you had to do the no. antigen test down in, in Black Rock. Um, exactly. How many were on that flight? Uh, I'd say about forty to fifty. Neil. There was plenty of space anyway. You know, you don't you don't need to you don't need to pay extra than a seven ninety five and book a seat for it like that. You know, and those so that were on it were they individuals, couples, families, kids? Uh, Can you give me a flavour. Normal people, you going on holiday. You could you could tell you know. So um, and there wasn't any guard presence. Uh, like when I entered the airport, but there was a squad car, all right, at the entrance, like where where people drive in, you know. But I was on a bus, so they want to stop. All right, anyway, okay, you know? okay. So no questions. Yeah. And and what if what if people were to say that it was wrong of you to go, particularly ahead of July nineteenth and the date, and they'd be wondering whether uh, it's essential travel and that kind of thing. Yeah, well, they're not fully jabbed. So what's the difference between going now 
and the 19th is a fully jabbed, you know? What's the difference? Plus, I, I'll be honest, I don't trust the government on the 19th. It may happen, it may not happen, but, you know, I wouldn't trust them 100%, you know? And is it busy there? Um, when I'm in Las Palmas, uh, so that's the capital city, there's about 400,000 people. So the best way I put that, like, say, for example, Cork would be busy without tourists, so Las Palmas would be busy without tourists. But there's no really kind of international tourists here at the moment, but there does seem to be a lot of mainland Spain tourism, you know. They, they kind of hit the Canary Islands big time when the schools close in July and August. But everything's open, like, are there a restriction? Like oh, somebody, somebody sent to me yeah. by text there this morning that a buddy of theirs was um, in Albufera and all of the pubs and restaurants closed at half past three on Saturdays and Sundays. I don't know oh, why, but that's, that's, what, that's what they're saying. Yeah. I find that a bit strange because uh, like, I, I do Canary Islands tips and I look at Canary Islands, but I look closely at Spain as well. So I find that very strange. Uh, I think the toughest restrictions I've seen in any region in Spain is about a midnight closing. So yeah, well, I'm just reading out what was sent to me. But so there yeah, are. Yeah, so, yeah. so I'm not saying he's wrong, but it's a bit strange. You 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 could go indoors anywhere you want then, or sit down in a restaurant. Oh, Neil, last night uh, I went across the road. I had two gin and tonics uh, and two beers, and it cost me uh, nine eighty for all of it. No, I, ju- I yeah, I just had one tonic. So must be dodgy so, gin, is it? No. No, no, it was a lot of gin. Uh, and that's indoors? Well, I, I know. Yeah, well, yeah uh, indoors and outdoors. Uh, I usually would sit outdoors, but he seemed to have a big kind of a, a family party, so they took up all the seats outdoors. Okay. You know? oh. Do, you, do yeah. you expect then at canaryislandtips.com that there's going to be a lot of booking after, you know, July 19th is announced with people trying to get I out of the country? I think, yeah. I'm, like, I'm, I'm really surprised that the prices are still so low. Um, at the moment, like even for dates after the 19th, I just think there's a bit of lack of trust there, and I think people just want to see it happen and then book, you know? Okay, all right. Stay in yeah. touch. You got yeah. sunshine and blue skies this morning? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, now I'm updating my site all the time, so I kind of work online. So, yeah, but uh, look, I, I meet friends uh, tonight. We have a table booked to watch Spain and Italy. So that should be some crack. <laughs> living the dream, yeah. Pat. Living the dream. Yeah. I'll let you get on. Cheers, my man. Meanwhile, back here on Lee's side, long-time listener to your show. I know you've covered this topic umpteen times before. I meant to read this out yesterday, but I ran out of time. I know you covered this topic umpteen times before, but I've never witnessed it firsthand before tonight. So this was over the weekend. I'm literally just in the door, half past midnight, for my first night out since COVID began. We, around 20 of us, went out for a few jars, sort of a little stag from my mate who's getting married in two weeks. We went to Goldberg's by the marina. It wasn't until uh, around closing, 11 p.m., that the youths started to gather on the marina. As I'm aware, you've covered the story before, but I didn't quite grasp how bad it was from listening to you, and I suspect nobody can unless they witness it firsthand. My friend and I, both in our 30s, were the last two left and began walking towards the city for a taxi. My friend was going to Silver Springs. I was heading home to Carrick Tool. Numerous times, we heard the word fight yelled by some young fellas in the middle of easily... Uh, it says here over 150 youths. Uh, and Neil, when I say young, I mean all these individuals gathered at the marina were 14 to 17 tops, dressed in tracksuits and runners, drinking away. As we got by Carey's tools, we heard, get that effer 
being shouted from behind us. We looked across on the riverside and saw a young man running from a group of about 12. The man tried to jump the barricade but tripped, you know the low barricades there, tripped and he fell on the ground, at which point the others set on him, started kicking and punching him in the head. Myself and my mate screamed, hey, get the F away from him. We started to walk towards them and they ran for the hills, the absolute cowards. The man ran over to us, panicked and in shock. There was blood literally streaming from the back of his head and down his neck. He tried to speak to us, but he was speaking French with very poor English. I recognized a few words, but had no idea what he was saying to me. All he could say that was understandable to me in English was, My wife, my wife, my wife. I couldn't even make out how the ba- how bad the back of his head was. There was so much blood coming from there. I couldn't even see the injury, but I took my jacket off and I just held it to his head. I won't lie, I was afraid for myself there was so much blood. I held my jacket to the back of his head and the other hand on his chest. I generally thought his heart was going to burst. It was beating so fast. I rang 112, asked for an ambulance. It was what felt like hours, hours, but was actually only minutes. And then I heard a lady running and screaming towards us. It was the man's wife. In an awful way, seeing the blood on the ground and seeing that it was coming from her husband's head. The guards arrived shortly afterwards. I told them what happened. And then the two of us left the scene and went home. What happened to us? I grew up in Cork and I'm proud of it. But after what I saw tonight, the absolute senseless violence of about 12 young fellas kicking and punching a man who was trying to run away from them in fear of his life. And his wife witnessed the horror of seeing her husband soaked in his own blood. And how cowardice it was that they all ran when we reacted to them. They ran like rats looking for a place to hide. Now, I don't know what the French couple were were doing there. Don't know what they were doing, but nobody deserved to be set upon like that. The man, late 20s, was running for his life and fell. This isn't the cork. This isn't us. I was so ashamed I felt the need to write this email because I saw it with my own eyes. Whoever you young scumbags are, and I hope you hear this in the event that you read it out on air, Neil, I just want you to know you won't win. You're not part of Cork. You're nothing but a blight on our county. But the wheel always turns. Uh, Like I said, I've heard you cover this before, but I didn't realize how terrible the situation was till I witnessed it myself. Keep up the good work. Yours, etc. Pat. Horrific story, a horrific encounter um, at the weekend down the Keys. By email to neil at redfm.ie. Back after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Cork's Red FM, officially Ireland's music station of the year. Okay, you can text 0868104106. Remember the phone line for lots of business, including our daily giveaways with MaldronHotels.com. Yesterday, we featured the Maldron in Wexford. Today, it is the Maldron Hotel in Oranmore. Two nights bed and breakfast for you and whomever you choose to take with you. And that's up in Galway. So you're off to Galway if you're lucky enough to win the Maldron Hotel in Oranmore. So that's today. Again, artists and titles in the correct order. So not now. I'll play it a few times. When we do, this is all to do with, you know, dream escapes and holidays and destinations and getting away. So we share one thing together this morning. I'm also hearing them for the first time. Have a listen. And the world's all right. Show my barbecue. The middle one? Come on, man. What's that middle one? And the world's all right. Show my quiet to a barbecue. Oh, summer. 
I know, I know. I'm just showing my age. So those three artists and titles in the right order. I'll play them a few times between now and midday today. Can I just say that email that I read out was an experience on Saturday night in the city. I thought it might have been the Sunday because I got it yesterday, but it was actually describing an incident where a Frenchman was chased, fell to the ground trying to clear a low, uh, a low bollard uh, and was kicked, kicked by 12 thugs. 12 scumbags, as they say. Um, so that was on, on Saturday night. Um, morning. Uh, I was actually in Goldbergs myself on Friday night. Well, outside it, you know. And, and, and it's lovely to see. And by and large, vast majority of people just want to socialise, meet friends, have a couple of cold ones. But it's the maggots that come along and they just wreck it for everybody. Anyway, I was in Goldbergs on Friday night. The staff were absolutely fantastic. There were a load of youths over at the river on the Friday night. They were looking for trouble. The staff at Goldbergs were amazing at diffusing the tension and we had fabulous food and excellent service and we all sat outside. I feel sorry for the staff who have to deal with those thugs by the river at the weekends. They are, as you describe, real scum. They were drunk when they arrived on the Keys, so they must be home drinking and then, <coughs> clearly, coming down looking for trouble. Yeah, I, I think it's it, I think it's very um, worrying that actually hospitality staff have to, as you say, diffuse the tension. That is not part of their job remit. It's a shame, really, isn't it? But you know, that's the world we live in. Um, keep those texts coming. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. And you know, we're talking about eighteen to th- you know thirty four year olds um, with regards to getting their 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 vaccine and what have you, and the the amount of them available at uh, at, at pharmacies. But at least. Uh, at least, um, you know, they're rolling it out as fast as they can in different aspects. Now they're also opening up the portal for 30 to 34 year olds uh, from tomorrow for a vaccine from tomorrow. And you can register there also uh, on the HSC's website. Regarding the assault on the French chap, violence in Cork is not new. It's now part of the drinking ritual. Um, no, no, I don't know about that, you know, uh, except that it's not new, but you can't really just generalize and say it's part of the drinking ritual when you have loads and loads of people who go out and socialize and have a laugh and go home safely. Uh, my son was in town Saturday night having a few drinks by electric. The guards told them to move to the marina. That's a bit bizarre, isn't it? So it was the guards' idea to have all of these youths gathered in this area. I, I read it out. I'm not, I'm not disbelieving you, but... Read it out for what it's worth. Keep in common text 0868 104 106. I tell you what I want to do. I got a lot of calls, texts, and emails and different things. But if you don't mind, just ahead of the break, just one or two, um, because I didn't get to do, do these the back end of last week. And it, it's kind of important if people put in the effort to tell stories. My mam got a clot in the lung on Tuesday morning. I would just so love if you could thank the two ambulance men that came out to mam's house in Churchfield Square Tuesday morning at a quarter past seven. They saved our mother's life. Two ambulance men. I don't have any names, but ma'am's name is Margaret O'Mahony. The care they gave my ma'am was 100%. Thanks to all of the staff at St. Joseph's Ward in the Mercy that are looking after my ma'am. She's been looked after like a queen. Thanks to all of the neighbours that sent get well cards. And to ma'am's sister Geraldine for all she did for ma'am and for us. And that's from my dad Pat my sister Mary, my brother John and myself Joe. Love the show but all these people deserve to be thanked by f- uh, for the way the family were taken care of over the past few days. So I'm happy to pass that on to everybody that helped, including as you say, the two uh, paramedics who came to your mam's house in the ambulance and as you say, saved her life. And just one quick one ahead of the break, can I share my experience of the staff in the CUH? Um, 
unfortunately, you know, you get the, the good, the bad and the in between. I have a daughter who was admitted in there Sunday morning with a brain bleed from an assault. Now, that in itself is just absolutely shocking. A brain bleed from an assault. What was that? A slap in the head? A kick in the head? A dig that landed in her falling down and hitting her head? But anyway... Admitted there with a brain bleed on Sunday morning. When I'm ringing for an update on her condition, either the phone rings out or else it's answered and I'm left on hold for long periods. No one comes back to me. Um, She's over 18, you see, not by much. And being over 18, I was refused a visit as I'm unvaccinated. But it's outrageous that I'm left so uninvolved in the health of my child because she's over 18. It's wrong on so many levels. And this treatment of relatives of sick patients has to stop. Is causing extra pain and suffering. I'm not going into any more details while she's still a patient, but I'm absolutely raging at the way things are being run up there at the moment. I have no idea how she's being treated. And I'm just to assume that she's in good hands. Surely this cannot be legal. Is there anything I can do about it? I find that bizarre, actually. You would think that a parent, in spite of the age of your son or daughter, would be able to inquire into their health. I mean, it's one thing saying you can't be rocking around the hospital unvaccinated, but I'm getting the impression you're saying to me that you can't get an update because she's over 18. I mean, a family member, particularly a parent, surely can pick up the phone and say, how's my son doing or how's my daughter doing? But it's interesting. You talk about answering the phones. I was in, and we talk about, uh, you, know, um, you know, whether it's hospitality or, you know, pubs or hotels or flying in and out of the country. You call phone numbers and they don't answer and you call and call and call these days and... It's just not the same anymore. So it's not, and you get automated services. Uh, where is that clip, actually? this Somebody sent me an audio clip because they wanted to get some clarification from Cork Airport as to when Cork Airport is closing, what kind of restrictions are coming in place, and the best thing to do is to, is to call the airport, right? So they sent me this audio. Thank you for calling Cork Airport. To listen to the menu in English, please press 1. To listen to the menu in... Please listen carefully to the following options. For flight information, please press 1. For airline reservations, please press 2. For car park charges and property lost at the airport, please press 3. For lost baggage and property lost on board an aircraft, please press 4. For car hire information, please press 5. Or stay on the line to speak to an operator. Stay on the line. One moment, please. Please leave a message after the tone. When you have finished, please hang up. Hello? Is there anybody in there? Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851 Red FM. Hi, Regan. Good morning. How are you, my man? You're good, Neil. Yourself, good morning. I'm very good. Um, Northern Irish man who spent some time in Cork, but now in Chicago, I believe. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. I spent, uh, I spent a few years in Cross Barry and out in West Cork, so I did. Okay, but now, as I say, North you're, you're uh, North Antrim. I was there last summer, actually. Beautiful part of the world. Thoroughly enjoyed my trip. Yeah, I live up by the Carrigan Reed Rope Bridge, right up by the Causeway. I was there, Giants Causeway. Fabulous yeah. trip. Highly recommend Giants. people to get up there over the summer. But listen, we, we, di- we digress. We digress. Tell yeah. me about, tell me about yeah. all the Americans that you've been meeting who have cancelled their plans to come to Ireland. Had they plans to come? Yeah, I've met quite a few people. For We live in a very strong Irish community in Chicago, so there's a lot of Irish Americans over here. 
who have planned a, 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 a trips to Ireland for this summer and that. They have cancelled. They've all cancelled. They're all they're all still going to Europe, but they're going to places like Spain, Portugal, and places like that there. But they they said they they just don't want to go to Ireland because they they don't understand what's going on. That the the parents can eat in a restaurant, but the kids can't, and the, you know they're, they're just totally confused. So they're, you guys are totally said, you're totally up to date over there in the likes of Chicago and maybe New York and Boston. You're all up to date as to what's happening back home, are you? Oh, big time! Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 got so bad we do, we can't even go home ourselves. So we because we don't understand what's going on, and we have to go home. Could we? Do we stay in a hotel? We, the last we heard, we had to stay in a hotel in Dublin Airport for yeah. two weeks. I think that's done away with now. But the, yeah. yeah, it's so confusing. Like people just can't go home. They don't want to go home. And is it all to do with yeah. the the issues involving hospitality? Then the pubs and the restaurants. Exactly, 100%, because they're, they're saying, well, if we go to Ireland, where, where could we stay? We can't go out, we can't socialise, uh, we can't go out for a meal. If we have kids, some places where we're told we can go out for a meal, but we can't bring the kids. That's right, and a lot of it is outdoors. Yeah, totally and unfortunately, that confusion continues for some time, yet we still, we're still not sure. We're thinking maybe the 19th of July, but so you're saying the people have just said, forget about it, we'll cancel the trips to Ireland, go somewhere else. Yeah, because you see, the thing is, if they if they book their flights to come after the nineteenth and there, and they're not sure, like after the nineteenth, if it's still going to be okay or if there's going to be a change of rules, so they just said forget about it. You know, they just cancelled their flights and said, look, we can go to mainland Europe where we know we could dine out, we could eat in, we could, you know, mm-hmm. everywhere's open. Just like the states, here, everywhere in the states is also open now. You know, Ireland seems to be the only place that's not open. Well, we're the only EU country that still has. Uh, restrictions, you know, most of the, all of the others have moved on and even the UK is yeah. lifting whatever's left in, in another 10 days, 12 days time where they're getting rid of masks and bubbles and quarantines and everything. It's, I, I mean, are you guys aware of this Delta variant? We, we, we are, we are, but you know what? It's, it's here in the States too. And, uh, you know, most people over here are just taking it, uh, you know, they're just living their lives. They're not letting it ruin their lives. They're, they're, they're saying, look, you know, a lot of people just look on it as another form of the flu or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're just saying, look, we just have to go on with our lives, you know. Well, it killed, an, stay at home. It, it killed an awful lot more yeah. people than the flu did, didn't it, they say? Well, 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 they're saying that too, but I think the numbers aren't, uh, they're, they're, they're pretty much more or less similar to the flu, aren't they? I think, well, pretty, you know, overall. I don't know, it depends on the statistics you believe or read, you know, but I, I, do, I do know that you guys yeah. don't need pa- passport vaccines or digital certs or anything to go anywhere, so you don't. No, no, not in America. They, they, you know, there's too much freedom here. Like, it's, uh, the, the, the policy in America over here, well, where I'm at is it's your body. You know, if you want to get vaccinated, you get vaccinated. Uh, you know, if you're vaccinated and you feel comfortable going into a restaurant, you do. If you're unvaccinated and you feel comfortable going into the restaurant, then it's up to you. You know, it's your body, your choice. And is everybody happy with that? I mean, the, particularly those that are vaccinated being in the same bar as a restaurant as somebody who was unvaccinated. Uh, yeah, it does not bother anybody. It Get does away. bother them at all. Somebody yeah, was yeah, saying to me at the weekend, don't. the most important thing you need to have going into an American bar or restaurant is dollar bills or a credit card. That's it. That's all it is. You just if you have the dollars and you can pay for your drink, nobody cares what you have. You know, it's like, uh, like, like, like uh, a lot of people when they go to the bars and restaurants. You know, you don't have people questioning you saying, "Hey, have you been vaccinated?" Nobody even talks about it. You know, like over here, the general, the general idea is a few sick or flu-like symptoms. You just stay at home. You know, you don't go to work, you don't go out. Uh, 
we we haven't really been affected. I know they say there's a lot of deaths in America too from it, but they, they also say there's as many deaths with this as there has been with the flu. And, and uh, you know, the, the, America's just too big an economy. They won't shut down at all. Yeah, and just on the point of the economy, you were saying in the email, of course, you did say that we're the only country with such strange ways of dealing with COVID. They're your words. But the country is... Yeah. Bi- we're ruining the country the economy and tourism, and it may never come back. I, I believe so, because I, I personally think a lot of people are just, like I said, I've talked to so many people have said, we don't want to go to Ireland because it's just too, too many restrictions. It's too confusing. We don't know what to do. We're allowed to eat in, eat out, drink, or whatever. So they went to Europe, but you know, a lot of people, when they go to Europe, they might go to the likes of Spain or somewhere for the first time. And like they it. They might like it. Yeah. They might might never want to go back to Ireland. Might want to go to Spain from now on. Or uh, I, I, and my my family have actually a youth hostel on the north of Ireland, and uh, that they're wide open and they, they seem to be doing quite well. Again um, of course, too, you, uh, yeah, of course, you're from yeah. Antrim, so yeah. you must find it quite yeah. peculiar the different rules on both sides of the border. Oh, it's unbelievable! I have cousins that actually live in County Louth. And uh, they, they come up into Armagh every weekend for a drink. You know, when they go back to Louth, they're only like 10 miles from the border. And uh, they, 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 they can't go to their local pub. They have to go 10 miles up the road again. Or they get, you know, they, they're actually doing buses from the likes of Drogheda now. That's right. Up no. in there, or, sorry, Dundalk and Drogheda. They're doing bus tours up into Newry and places. You see, we, we, we have Neffet, and there's a couple of dozen people on that committee, you know, the, the Neffet yeah. committee that tells the government what they should or shouldn't do. So... They're kind of they're kind of running the show at the moment here. Was did you have as many people in America? or Was it just Fauci or, or what? We had just Fauci, and uh, it's funny because each state kind of governs themselves. You know, it's not the whole country. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Uh, I live I live across the border from Chicago. I live in Indiana. So, uh, Indiana basically opened up before Illinois did, which is Chicago was the next state, just like five six miles up up the road. But uh, yeah, it's kind of each state and. Uh, Business has never, ever really shut down here. The whole, you know, the pubs are open and uh, there was no, there's no real lockdown over in this country. So there's a lot more, there was an awful lot more trust, is it? And an awful lot more kind of cop on. There are a lot more trust and cop on, yeah. And people, like I say, people just go about their business. You know, if you're, you're, if you're sick, you stay at home. If you're not sick, you can go about, you can go to your work, go out and socialise. No. Like people are saying too, like, there's been worse pandemics in this world, you know, the Great Plague and stuff like that there. And uh, people still go about there. They were never locked down. Like, my wife worked in a hospital up here in Chicago. And uh, they, all, always before the pandemic, they were always told uh, when they have to wear masks and with patients and that, don't wear a mask any longer but than you have to because it's not good breathing in your own air through a mask. I know. You know, I, know. So, I can't wait for all this mask business to be behind us. But you're not taking the yeah. vaccine. You don't feel comfortable with it, is it? I, I don't feel comfortable because I, I think it was a rushed vaccine. I, I, I can't, you know, like, there, there wasn't properly, I don't think it has been properly tested and whatnot. And there's no real real proof that it's, it's working, you know. And it's, uh, it's kind of silly because like in Ireland they say you take the vaccine, but you still have to wear a mask and you still have to socialise and... Uh, you know, over here, the general idea, people think if you get a vaccine, you don't need to mask up or, uh, or, or you know, what, you know, be separate from other people and whatnot. But it's, uh, it's just kind of strange in Ireland. If you get the vaccine, you have to still do, do, do the and, same as people. Uh, and are you, are, are you guys, are, are masks gone now? And are you guys shaking hands and hugging and everything? Oh, we're doing, the, yep, the whole lot. Uh, recently, we go to our, our local chapel over here. We go to Mass every Sunday. There's uh, the, they, they did have the same in Ireland where you wore the mask and every other seat was taped off. But uh, 
that's gone almost too much. And does anybody worried at all uh, about another surge or another wave? No. Is there, is there anybody talking Nobody. about that? Nobody. Uh, yeah. Well, they, they, you hear them talking, but you know, people talking about. It, but people are generally just sick of it, and they just go yeah. about their daily lives, and they, and they just. Uh, Honestly, God, I think I think people going about their lives if they're not sick, they stay at home, and, and you know, like our bar, the bars over here are packed on a Saturday night. And, and I also, uh, I also heard know. that in pharmacies over the tannoy, they're calling out things yeah. like vaccines available. If you want a vaccine, come on up to the counter, kind of thing, isn't it? It's, yeah. There was lots oh, of vaccines. Yeah, it's all walk-in. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of walk-ins, but uh, they always have them in the, the pharmacies over here, like walk-in flu shots every winter now, it's walk-in COVID shots, you know. I know, just, no, it's just that we're, we, were, we were forever kind of short of vaccines, but yet you guys seem to have, for those that want, I mean, you vaccinated nearly 50% of the population now at this stage, fully, with two doses, so, yeah, that, you know. That's true, yeah, 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 but, uh, and, and it's the same thing, uh, you know, like, like, I think half the people want the vaccine, the other half don't believe in it, so... You know, so, I've I've thank God I've never been sick or that, and I don't feel sick, and and I just don't, you know, I don't think I need the vaccine, you know. But also, I don't want to get the the vaccine to travel to Ireland because I believe you have to have the vaccine if I want to go home again. I was just going to ask you that you're you're kind of limiting your yeah. choices then, aren't you? With the with the, probably a lot of yeah. European countries, you'd have to be vaccinated. Uh, yeah, well, I think that too, but I think a lot of the people that were going to go to Ireland have been vaccinated. Yeah, but you, you know, for instance, that, uh, I mean, do, do you not plan to come home? Do you not yeah. miss home? Do you not want to home your home last? Yeah, I, I, well, the last time I was at home, sadly, it was for my father. He passed away in November, but there was a, a break between the, the COVID breaks at that time. But, oh, uh, okay. Uh, mm. uh, uh, yeah, so I also met a man from, uh, I also met another man, he's a... Uh, he owns a bar over here across McGlen, man. But he, he instead of flying into Dublin, he was fit to fly into London and then London to Belfast without without the vaccine. Yeah, so yeah. He didn't even have to go through Dublin, you know, so he was fit to do it that way. But uh, if I wanted to, I could probably fly home via London, Heathrow, back into Belfast. But uh, uh, I don't think I could fly into Dublin. It's just, you know, too many restrictions. There still, there would still be the, yeah, no, I mean, there are restrictions in that regard. I just was, I was just wondering whether or not, you know, you'd miss coming home without having the vaccine. You know, I mean, some would say just get the vaccine and get the fucking digital cert and away you go. Yeah, people are saying that too, but they, you know, you don't know what the side effects, the long-term side yeah, effects of yeah. this thing. No, as right. you say, you know, it's, it's your body, yeah. your choice, your entitlement is what you want to do. Um, you know, the, well, well, that's, the, that's basically what they're saying. That's what they're saying over here. Yeah, it's your basically your body, your choice. You know, and that you, you, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be discriminated or targeted for not having it, and, and targeted or discriminated for having it. You know. So, like I say, nobody asks questions over here. There's nobody in the bar door saying, hey, are you vaccinated or not? You know, there's none of that over here. So just finally, the Irish in Chicago and the likes, are they looking at Ireland in disbelief then? Do you think that, you know, as as you said, they're confused, wrecking the economy? Yeah, they're confused, totally confused, because it's like every other week the the rules change. It's like Ireland was supposed to open up, was it the 7th of July? Now it's the 19th, well, maybe the 19th, nobody knows what's going on. Well, I think it was more like, it was was supposed to open last week, (laughs) last Monday. Uh, Last week, yeah, last week, but then they put it back. Well, somebody said, I thought, see, that's what I'm saying, we're so confused, because somebody said it might be put back to the 19th. Now they're saying that that's not even a possibility, that that might not even happen either. You know, we don't. Like, we don't you know. know. We don't. We think we you might. Got, be you got to feel. 
Yeah, you got to feel bad for the barmen and the, 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 all the hospitality people in Ireland. It's got to be terrible for them, you know. You know, it's got to be terrible. Well, let's see it's what. Ter- it's very, 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 very bad for tourism. Very yeah. bad because, yeah. like I say, people are just saying, "Screw Ireland, move on. Okay, let's go to Europe." Okay, but we're, well, they're avoiding Ireland like the plague. Oh God! Well, that's sad to hear. Is, uh, yeah. That's sad to hear. Hopefully, it's sad. Sad to hear. Yeah. Well, listen. Yeah. Let's oh, see oh, what. Oh, let's okay. see what the coming weeks bring. Um, do stay in touch, though, and thanks for listening overseas in Chicago. We listen to you every night at 7pm. We, we, we get you after the Killian show. You're, you're, we get the Rewind show every night. I'm, I'm driving the old trucks over here, so you're on at 7pm every night, so it's great to listen to it. Well know? done. <laughs> well done. Well, appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thanks for your loyalty. Cheers, no Regan. Thank you. Cheers, Neil. All the best. Good luck. Bye. 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 The great Regan driving his truck over in Chicago and to everybody else that listens online overseas. An awful lot of people in Chicago actually of Irish descent and an awful lot of people in Chicago who are over there having moved from Ireland. So good morning to you all. I know an awful lot of people went went, when you could go on J1s and stuff like that. A lot of students had it over there as well. Not everybody 100% in agreement with Regan has to say with regards to, you know, the flu and COVID and getting on with their lives and stuff like that. I mean, you've got to bear in mind that there were uh, 305 million uh, cases in the USA and over 600,000 deaths. Um, I mean, I don't know about the 305 million cases in the USA. I was kind of fact-checking stuff like that earlier on this morning, and they, you know, they update the statistics where there were 33.7 uh, million cases, 33 uh, million and 605 thousand deaths so I don't know whether you put all those down to uh, being equal to the same amount of flus annually but I will come back to that um, anyway lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. can I just touch base with Paul because we were talking yesterday because he was he was uh, protesting uh, had a placard outside uh, Paddy Powers um, because he had this bed I won't go into the details of the bed again because we went through it in quite an amount of, of detail yesterday and I did get a lot of texts from you guys who, who bet yourselves uh, Paddy Powers wouldn't pay out and I think if, if they had paid out and everything had been filled in properly it would have been a 46,000 euro payout um, but anyway some of the text on this he filled out the docket incorrectly uh, another one the Paddy Power chap has an elect to stand on he wrote the wrong score the bet is live once the game starts well he went in 45 minutes before the match started uh, I'd say he, I'd say if he's lucky he might get it by chancing his arm he wanted 2-2 and now he's trying to say it was 3-3 says Paul he has no hope if it was a 2-2 draw <coughs> they would not pay out as they'd argue the odds saying that he meant 3-3 another one unfortunately the punter has no case if the docket wasn't changed the price can be written down wrong and paid at the correct price so anyway a lot of these are quite technical even a boys sport manager got in touch to say um, that there's uh, you know he's at work but unfortunately I'm at work so I can't take a call but unfortunately in my opinion he doesn't have a leg to stand on uh, another one referenced the man and his bet uh, the man made the error it's his mistake uh, because the first part of the bet had commenced it's against the rules to change bets that gent who did the bet on the soccer matches has no chance of winning etc etc so lo- lows like that but I have to tell you that he wasn't taking this lying down and so he went and with his placard and he got in touch with Paddy Powers and he stood outside um, and in fact we got in touch with Paddy Powers on his behalf just wondering where they were at with it and apparently things got resolved yesterday so in fairness to Paul he, I mean he stuck to his guns and that's what we need to do in life if you feel you've been wronged in spite of everybody texting say he hadn't a hope Paul good morning 
Yeah, good morning, Neil. How are you? And I have to say, fair play to you. You stuck to your guns and you reached a compromise. Is that right? You certainly did. Not, not long after I uh, had a conversation with your good self, so, but 20 minutes afterwards, I got a phone call from the area manager and he made me an offer and look, I grabbed it with both hands. Okay. And I'm extremely happy. I hope Perry Paul's happy and, you know, um, no hard feelings whatsoever. And the offer, was that in good faith or did they admit some liability or, or what? It was a question without admitting liability. I gotcha, I gotcha. Now, you so, can't so say... I'm happy. You can't say what the compromise was, the amount, can you? But, well, I, I would like to read it, but look, look take it from me, look, um, um, I would say this to you, half law is better than none. Well said, Paul. Uh, what we can read into that, a half a loaf is better than none. And we know the original steak was 46 grand. You, okay, so you're happy now? I'm very happy. There's a big smile on my face. And so much so, I would like to just say thank you and your staff <laughs> for being extremely courteous and kind. So therefore, I am going to drop out. That's the kind of person I am. I'm a generous, kind person. Uh, I will drop out a nice little gift to you and your staff this week. There is no need to do that, incidentally. No, but, but if you want to send something nice to Emer no, and Brenda and Mark, no, no, be my guest. That's the type, no, that's the type of person I am. Uh, and well, if I make up my mind to do something, I'll do it. And nothing is going to stand in my way. It's just my appreciation to you. Ah, for God's sake. All the wonderful work that you do. And the power of radio. I'm very, very happy. So I'll be dropping I won't tell you what the gift is, but uh, uh, it's a nice, pleasant surprise, okay? Well, thank you. Because you have a few bob to spend now. A considerable amount. I have to say thank you to Rachel and Paddy Powers for looking into the case on our behalf um, and and it's a good PR gesture because they didn't want they don't want to have unhappy punters so there was yeah. compromise and as the fella and says everything you, about my was genuine as yeah, I know again. no like all, just all all of the book, all of the punters that were on to me said you hadn't a hope you hadn't a hope you hadn't a hope well it just goes to pool I stuck to my guns and, and what are you going to do happy. now how are you going to spend your dosh um, well first of all I'm a part-time taxi driver. I have a, a big loan out my car. I might pay that off. Um, obviously, my wife comes comes first. And uh, my children. And, and the bottom line is that I'm just going to leave it lay, lay with me for a while. It's a great, it's a great result because it's a fortune of money. Um, I mean, it's the biggest money you've ever won betting. I imagine you're never going to win anything like that again. So, well done on that. Is, is it true that, you all, that you're a live musician? Do you, do you gig? I am, yeah. yeah. I go under the stage name of Ebenezer Jones. Ebenezer Jones. What do you play? Well, I don't play nothing. I was a cabaret singer way back in the 70s and 80s. And uh, I, a man that I used to deal with a lot with was Noel Magna. I'm sure that a you know. A great guy, yeah. Promoter, yeah. Great guy. He was, yeah. he was the head guy in the island room in, in those days. And... Uh, but before that, I, I was a professional singer in South Wales. In South in, Wales? In Cardiff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. And do you, do you sing? I mean, do you gig? I, I sing, yeah. I sing. I sing. I've, I've sung all my life. And um, I am still open for, open for gigs. I do a gig every year down Robert's Cove. But it was postponed last year because of the pandemic. So that's backing tracks, is it? Ebenezer, is that backing track? Yeah. Well, those days I was seeing the, the band, cabaret bands. You had gotcha. the arrivals, you had the Dukes, you know, all these, these fabulous three and four piece bands. I would come on as a guest artist. Absolutely. Do maybe 45 minutes, half hour, and uh, dress up accordingly. <laughs> so the island rooms would have been at Morris Hotel, right? That's correct, yeah. And there would have been other venues, wasn't there? Like, for instance, Maguire's Penny Farthing, when it was, was it 
Carberries or Carnabies? Carnabies, yeah. That was a man, um, what kind of thing is it? It was a lot of, like, cabaret was huge, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I used to see it quite often up in Dublin as well. Do you ever busk? No, never. <laughs> uh, I'm not a great guitar I'm a three chord trick guitar I prefer to have a band print to me I know, to me. yeah, I know I know. It's I, 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 sing, I sing the backing track uh, Do you miss performing? Because, no, you know, no one's performing I do, yeah. yeah I miss performing very much Yeah But, um, you know, I rehearse once a week here in my, my house And, um, you know, the neighbor's crazy <laughs> But, you know, I must keep the voice in tune at all times Absolutely Use it or lose it. Okay. Well, you got you got some money to spend now. Delighted for you. Compromise was arrived at, and all happy. All happy. Fair play. Lovely stuff. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for coming back. Yes, it's always important thanks, thanks to for help. round off the yeah, circle. Thanks, Cheer. thanks for help. Take care, my man. Take care, my man. Lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Calls on the way. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Yes, morning I was telling you the story of Geraldine Nagel. Uh, she lives with the family on the Boreen Manor Road. Postman arrived one morning with a registered letter. Um, most, most of the time, they're not good news. Unless the lottery gets in touch with you by registered post. But anyway, registered letter. And she opened it. And inside in it was a 150 fine uh, from Cork City Council. Why? Well, apparently she had her two bins out, the green one and the brown one. And the council say that in such circumstances, that if the bins aren't 100% closed down, that they could lead to litter in a public place. And therefore, it was an offence. Uh, yeah, she admitted that they were slightly overloaded and she admitted that the lids were partially open. But the bin was filled very well, I have to say, nice and tidily now. Imagine if some crows came along or a cat or something or whatever. They probably could rip open the bags because the bin is slightly ajar. But you'd think they'd have better things to be doing with their time rather than taking photographs of people's bins. I mean, she's already paying for her refuse collection service. I mean, I saw a situation recently myself. I use clear recycling bags the recycling and I put them into the into the blue bin but there was one occasion months back where I don't know there must have been you know you know the way you got a lot of people in the house everybody working from home so you're generating an awful lot more and God knows with all the online shopping anyway there was, I had an extra bag which was an extra clean bag clear bag see-through bag recycling bag um, which I left next to the bin um all sealed the whole works it, it wasn't it wasn't that I got a litter fine for it it's just the country clean came along and they took the bin and left the bag. So I just said to the guy, did I do something wrong? He said, no, if it's not in the bin, if it's not in the bin, we can't take it. (laughs) Which I thought was a bit kind of slightly over the top, but they're the rules nonetheless. But anyway, 150 euro fine. So she's appealing that, Geraldine. It'll be interesting to see what happens when she appeals the fine uh, with the Environment Department at Cork City Council. But it prompted some texts and calls as well. And I want to chat with Nina. And Nina's got an interesting story. Because Nina's from Slovenia, living in Germany, found this show online and has no connection in any way, shape or form with Ireland. Nina, good morning. Hello, good morning. Is, is that right? I mean, have you ever, do you know Ireland? Have you been here? Have your family here? Anything? Oh, yeah. Yes, I've been there at least uh, 10 times. On on, on holidays uh, for breaks, is it? 
me yes and once for an uh, au pair but that was in the uh, end of high school so okay. long time ago all right so you stay in touch yeah. with Ireland listening online um and you heard yeah. the story of the 150 litter bin fine did you yeah did i did okay um it's uh, i mean uh, when i first heard it uh, honestly it was um it was a bit uh, funny to hear it uh, here because we are a bit used to it. Uh, because it's, um, people know that um, you you are not allowed to overfill your bin. It doesn't matter which bin it is. Because uh, they will either not take it away or even you will get a fine. So there are two options. And uh, so uh, people just just don't do that. Is that because they know what will happen? Is that in Germany? Is it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, uh, and the, it is in Germany, regular Muslim. <laughs> so. so what's what's the problem with the bin lid not closing fully? What, what 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 do they say? Is it a litter hazard or what? Uh, honestly, I I have uh, no idea. It's just um, that uh, the bin has to be properly closed, even if. There cannot be even a slight crack. Uh, it needs to be properly filled and uh, not overfilled. Well, do they have Do they have a bin crack patrol? People going around checking that the bin meets the body, the, the lid meets the body of the bin. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah, I isn't it? <laughs> it, it is. It is. It is. But uh, also, when you live in a certain country, you slowly get adapted to their rules and regulations and uh, so Ex- on. And it's a fact that you have to accept. Eccentricities. Uh, yeah. What is the fine? Yeah. Uh, I believe it's around 200. 200. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I never got it, but uh, this is what I heard from uh, my friends. So yeah. if you have too much stuff... And you can't put it in because the lid has to close. Do you have to keep it until the next yeah. time? Exactly, exactly. You you have to basically keep it for the next time. And uh, for example, in my building, we only have one uh, bin for paper. And of course, now we are all at home because we still work from home and uh, everything. And of course, it's uh, it's usually full in uh, in two weeks. I know. So, yeah. yeah, and so you're generating yeah. an awful lot more. And who do you, do you have to pay to have your litter collected there, or is it part of the services provided? Uh, it's uh, part of uh, uh, costs that you pay uh, to commune, uh, so to the to the city each month. Oh. So it's uh, kind of included in the costs. It's uh, you only need to pay extra if you are uh, if you order a pickup for lar- large items. Uh, you see, here people would pe- or- here people would pay three hundred and fifty or maybe four hundred euro a year to a private company to have oh. it collected. I don't even know why the council is going around hassling people's bins because they don't they don't pick them up anymore, to the best of my knowledge. But that's what we pay here. Oh. I'm just wondering, is it the same there? Yeah, um, no, it's uh, here. It's uh, public, and uh, every city has um, their 
own uh, service, but it's uh, it, yeah, it's uh, public. You you pay this cost to the city. To the city, yeah. We used to be like that, yeah. but not anymore. So she's appealing this fine. Do you think she has any hope because the two lids weren't fully closed? Uh, well, if you, I say, if you never try, you never know. So, That's true. That's um, true. That's true. <laughs> But uh, I think if she she provided uh, additional explanation or something, then maybe there could be a chance. We'll keep it. We'll keep an eye on it. And just just on the subject of you being here as an au pair, did did you enjoy that? Was that a pleasant experience? Yes, definitely. I was actually uh, in uh, not in Cork, but uh, around Cork. And uh, yes, I enjoyed very, very much. And did and, you like uh, Cork? I always, yes, I did. I did. It's uh, it's a lovely city, and I plan to go there uh, this summer as well. I'm just waiting for my uh, vaccine passport. And have you had <laughs> the two jabs and everything? Uh, no, not yet. I'm waiting for the second one. Okay, so when you get the second one, you're booking a flight, and you come into Cork. Definitely. This will be the first thing that I will do. <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. Well, it's good to catch up. Um, recently, I spoke to Aussie, an Aussie man on the Gold Coast who found us online. I was chatting last week to an English Arctic driver who found us online, listens every day. And here's Nina over in uh, Germany, all the way from Slovenia, and listening online as well. So that's lovely. Thank you so much. Yeah, I listen to the show every day because I, I like the discussion and uh, different topics. And uh, it's, why, uh, why it's aren't you listening? Why aren't you listening to Slovenian radio? <laughs> oh, because uh, <laughs> I, yeah, no comment there. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, I'm delighted delighted to have you on board. Lovely chatting. Have a great day, Nina. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Greetings. <laughs> Bye. Greetings to you as well. What a lovely, lovely girl. Talking about lovely people, there was a wonderful gesture that Emo came across there yesterday, and I got a lovely email in on the basis of what happened. My mum and dad recently celebrated their golden anniversary on the 1st of July. They went on staycation holiday. My man has a little story to tell you of a very generous stranger she met in Killarney. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. Uh, and Liz Downs tells it an awful lot better than I ever could down in Mitchellstown, celebrating her golden anniversary recently um, in, in Killarney. Liz, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are it, you this it's morning? It's lovely talking to you and regards to you all in Mitchellstown. You were actually retracing your honeymoon route, is it? We... Yes, we were, yeah, yeah. And, you you know, um, my daughter Helen White, um, about three or four months ago, um, said to me, Ma'am, where did you go on your honeymoon? So I told her all the different places. And um, to my surprise, before we went on holidays, she handed me vouchers for hotels in all the different places. Ah, would you stop? Tell me about your honeymoon route. When, When did you get married? We got married the 1st of July, 1971. So it was the 50th, and yeah, brilliant. Here Golden. in Mitchellstown. And we had our reception in um, in Mallow, in the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow. Yes. So that night we stayed in Limerick, and then we went to Galway, Mayo, Sligo, Donegal, Letterkenny, <laughs> and down... <laughs> And down the centre into Rathcommon, Mullingar, over to Dublin, 
then down to Kilkenny, and we ended up in Killarney. That must have taken weeks, did it? It took 10 days, um, but we did it this time in six days. And did you, dr- <laughs> did you back in 1971, did you drive to all those destinations? We drove to all those destinations. So your My, daughter got you vouchers or accommodation or whatever? Accommodation, in, accommodation. In, in, she, many yeah, of so. the, in many of those different counties and towns? Exactly, but that time we didn't stay in hotels, we stayed in bed and breakfast. So Unbelievable. This time, yes. What a lovely gift to give you from your daughter. Oh, so, she, yes. when you arrived in Killarney, talk to me about that and the, and the very generous strangers you came across. Well, there's a little story attached to it. So, we arrived and we stayed in Kingfisher Lodge Hotel, and when we, our Kingfisher Lodge, and when we stayed there, the lady in charge had a beautiful box of chocolates, and a lovely bunch of flowers awaiting us. So we had a cup of tea there, and then we decided to go for a walk. We had the two of us do about two-mile walk every day. So on, after the walk, I just said to my hubby, I said, you know what, wouldn't a little snack be nice? And he said, yeah, we'll go for a little snack. So we went down through Killarney, and Killarney was thronged. There was young people, old people, middle-aged people, all kind of people everywhere, yeah. from every continent, I'd say. And the whole place was very packed. So I suddenly thought, look, McDonald's only out the road. We'll walk out there and look, we'll have something there. So we were queuing in McDonald's. And um, just as we went closer to the door, um, there was a security there. And I said to him, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I'm not a customer of McDonald's. I said, so I said, I don't. And I said, I like coming out here, but I don't know how to how to order um, our menu on these screens that they have. Yes. So he said to me, don't worry, he said, I'll give you a hand. And I said, oh, thank you very much. So there was a gentleman in front of me that overheard me saying it. And there was a girl, about 12-year-old girl with him. And he turned back to me and he says, I don't know how to use it either. <laughs> or said, I, I don't have to feel so guilty, so I said to him. <laughs> so we ordered on, the, on this computer thing and we went up to pay for it. And I had change in my pocket and I had a 20 euro as well. So the whole lot came to 11 euro and 70 cents. Mm-hmm. So I, I put the money up in the counter to change and the lady, the girl said to me, she said, you're short 20 cents. Well, I said, no problem, I have 20 euro here. But before I could take out my 20 euro, the gentleman that was in front of me put the 20 cents up on the counter. <laughs> And I said, oh, my God. I said, thank you so much. I said, look, I said, I had 20 euro. No problem. He said, that's nothing. He said. So I said, look, out of courtesy, I'd say hello to him and chat with him. So we were chatting with him and uh, he asked me, you know, why was I there? And I said, look, we're 50 years married today. I said, the better half is outside. I Pat said, Downs is outside, your husband yeah, and best friend. Yeah. Exactly. My best friend keeping a seat for, for us out there in case they might think, gee, she's 50 years and she's no one with her, you know. <laughs> Fifty years married, so, um, so I noticed on the girl she had a crest on her on her jumper, and as far as I know, as far as I can remember, Camogie was written on it, but Carlo was on it. Okay, so that was all right. Anyway, we got our meal. We went out. We were sitting out having our meal, and the gentleman passed with his his daughter, and he wished my husband a happy anniversary. Okay, so we were eating our meal, and as the gentleman. Whatever he got, I didn't look to see what he had ordered. But he must have put it into his van and and he brought it away with him. Mm. So as we were having our meal, he passed by in, in his uh, 
I'd say it was a Range Rover. I'm not even 100% sure, but it was some kind of um, a Jeep. And she passed, and the girl opened down the window, and she handed me an envelope. And in front of the envelope was Happy Golden Anniversary. And I thought, God, you know. So, and what she said was, don't open that until we're gone. So, of course, I've been curious, opened it straight away. And I read the note. Now, I know, Neil, you're apt calling out what was on the note. Or do you want me to... No, I didn't, ca- I didn't call out what was on the note. Okay, no. what was on the note was, to the, to the golden wedding anniversary couple, congratulations on your 50th wedding anniversary. Please enjoy your stay in Killarney and get yourself a special memento of your fantastic road trip of 2021. Best regards to a special lady and couple from the Carlow people in McDonald's. Okay. That, that wasn't all, though, that was there with the note. Uh, that, yeah, no, that was okay. Yeah, I read that. But it went, the, 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 it was kind of wrapped up. So when I opened it, what came out? Only 250 euro note. Good God. And the girl was looking back and I said, I'm not taking that. But they were gone. Good That's God. All. They were gone. 50. 250 euro notes. Now, in case my, I, I remember straight away, I, I, I took a, screenshot of them and I sent them to my daughter Helen and she said oh my god and I said there you are she and sent them to me a hundred euro from complete strangers no, no nobody would believe it if I didn't do that you you just must attract nice things into your life you must give off a really good vibe people must love when they meet you well I suppose I suppose Neil you know there is a collection in the town. Now, anytime I see a collection for something that I think is good, I would throw maybe two or three euro or a fiver or whatever. You know, I'd be that kind of a person. But like, you know, I was stunned, taken aback. He must and, be. And, and, I mean, no wonder he's driving a big Range Rover. He must be loaded. A hundred euro. Well, it mightn't have been a Range Rover now. I just put yeah, that... Yeah, but a hundred euro, like you'd say something yeah, if it was... Hun- that's why, and I'd love to meet this gentleman because, like, you know, he was a lovely fella, very quiet, very, and I thought he was very reserved and very quiet. What and, a you know, lovely thing to do. Have you spent it? No, of course I have. I bought a lovely brooch um, for myself, and it was actually 100 euro. I mean, um, why did you not buy Pat anything? No, I bought him nothing because he's... Oh, uh, uh, God, so here he is, by 50 no. years, suffering uh, in no, silence, he, huh? But but he made me buy something. But the funny thing about it was my son Patrick gave me pocket money going away. My daughter Helen paid for the accommodation. And this gentleman... And the man from Carlo gives you a hundred bucks. God almighty. <laughs> You're living the dream yeah. as well this morning. Things don't get much better than that. Listen, I wish I had more time. It's a super story to be hard to beat. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing it with us. It's a great Not story. Not at all. And Niall, Neil, if, you, if, if somebody will ring in your office there, you might let me know because I if, would love to... If I can track him down, you don't know. I mean, he could be in Carlo. He could have driven on to Cork. Let's find out, all right? Thank you very much. Bye, Neil. Liz, Thank and happy, happy anniversary. Cheers, girl. Thank Take care. Thank you very much. Bye. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Imro Music Station of the Year. You're on Cork's Red FM. And every day this week, in association with MaldenHotels.com, we've got some lovely two-night overnights for you. Bed and breakfast, two people. Today we feature the Maldron Hotel in Oran Moor. And you can book your dream escape with MaldronHotels.com and take in the beautiful landscapes and the 
green hills and the sundowns by the sea and whatever it is you want at a Maldron Hotel. So today it's the Oran Moore up in Galway. And again, three kind of... Um, they're connected songs. I mean, they're fit for purpose because they all have to do with the... Well, let's have a listen, shall we? Uh, artists and titles in the right order. But you can't call till I open the phone lines. Run about 10 minutes to midday. But they're all getaways, getaway type tunes. And the world's all right. Show a barbecue. Yeah? So outdoors and getting away and enjoying the fresh air and stuff like that. Those three songs. Correct order. Artists and titles, please. See how you get on. Lines open at one 104 106 Scam calls featured yesterday. I was talking to Connor Pope from the Irish Times. This is something that is not going to go away, apparently. I got so sick of all the different numbers ringing me. I've now blocked all numbers. Only those on my contact list. I get no more unwanted calls. Carol, that is divine inspiration. I mean, that's just... That makes so much sense that only your contact list can actually call you. My social welfare officer called me and, text and texted her mobile number. I got text three to four times a day before to say that she was actually calling. That is someone who was trying to get in touch with her. Uh, between the HSE hacking, the bank accounts, so much for modern technology. What if codes for nukes are hacked? And they're hold, held by superpowers. Or sorry, what if nuclear codes are hacked and they hold the superpowers to ransom for billions? There's a movie in that. There's also reality in that. If you're buying a JCB or something from England before you send the money, um, uh, this is many people saying, you know, you've got to be very careful. And there was a chap on the air who did spend out five and a half grand on a JCB that never arrived. Um, the police wouldn't be long telling you whether it was a legitimate business if you check with the local police station in England first. Yes, but that's a bit like after the horse has bolted, hasn't it? Went to the city last week. What a super day we had. I got mass in first behind the courthouse. Uh, then I shopped. Uh, that would probably have been St. Augustine's, wouldn't it? Then I shopped and walked uh, all of the streets. With the streets closed off, it's just fabulous in the city. This is Marie who came up from Clon. I had lovely food in Princess Street. Do you know what, Neil? I thought I was in heaven. And everyone talking to each other. It was just super in the city. Everyone should do it. It was a tonic for sure. I got the bus back home with a very friendly driver. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else in the world. We're on our way up now again, Neil, says Marie from Clana, as in Ireland and Cork is on the way up. Certainly is. That's why I was reading out the fabulous article from Podrick Hoare yesterday in the Examiner. We were bigging up local retail and the city centre thriving and hopefully coming back. I got my second job on Friday last and I, was quest- and I questioned the lady vaccinating me about the vaccine passport as I'm travelling to Lanzarote on the 22nd of this month. She assured me the card that people get at the vaccination centre has two barcodes, one for each jab, and this will be accepted by the airline you travel with. Maybe that information is worth passing on, says Matthew. Well, it is, because I hadn't heard that one before. Morning. This morning, I ran my local pharmacy in Pierce Square, Balafihan. I was told they had reached their capacity already early yesterday morning, and they don't know when they're getting any more vaccinations. I find it bizarre, as I rang them at half past nine when they opened. Well, there you have it. Neil, you're such a plonker sometimes. The population of the Netherlands is over 17 million. 35% of 17 million is over 5 million, which is more than the population of Ireland. So yes, they are miles ahead of us, not us miles ahead of them. You are right. I surrender to you. 
We've been back and forth with this, you and me, over the past 24 hours. You are correct. I didn't take into consideration the difference in population. They have 17 million. We have five. Their 35 million is far more than our 50. Their 35% of 17 million is far more than our 50% of 5 million. Beaten. You win. I surrender. It's six weeks tomorrow since my Pfizer jab and finally got an appointment for Saturday. So it's nearly seven weeks between the two. Others are saying similar. Their Pfizer second jabs are being pushed back. My husband and my sister are now two weeks over their four-week waiting time for the second Pfizer. They rang several times and have been told that they're on an escalation list. It's just a waiting game. There's lots like that. Six weeks tomorrow since my Pfizer job. Finally got an appointment for Saturday. Seven weeks there. Um, myself and my husband got our first vaccine on the same day four weeks ago. He got his second dose two days ago. And I've heard nothing. Rang the HSC, we were told. You just have to wait. Wait, somebody's suggesting <coughs> don't worry too much about this. Because apparently we've just bought a load of vaccines from countries in Europe that don't want them. So there's even more on the way. Thank you for all those. Lines open, one 106 Apparently, the church uh, that uh, Marie went to wasn't St. Augustine's. She went to St. Francis Church. Okay, happy to clarify all of that. I'm looking at a screen here every morning and I get a different mass on one of these screens every single day. I must be the holiest person on air these days. I get a daily mass every day in front of me. No sound, just picture, but I'm sure that counts. Anyway, back to the phone lines we go. We spoke to Jeanette uh, a number of times in the past, and she sadly lost her beloved mother, Veronica, on the 8th of February in, in Ballynoe. Um, she been back in touch following our the primetime um, show last Thursday and our conversations uh, regarding it on Friday morning. Jeanette, good morning. Hi Neil, how are you? Nice, nice to catch up again. Thank you for your for your text. Always nicer to chat, though. Did did you did you watch the primetime show? I wonder. I, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, it was very hard watching, but you know we had to watch it really to see what was going to be said because you know we're we're hearing things the same as everybody else really through the media. You know a lot yeah. of stuff. So you know we had to watch it really. Yeah, we we uh, we know what happened in January after yeah. Christmas, of course, and then uh, we had the wave, yeah. and then, in spite of everything that we kind of knew, um, nursing homes got hit really badly again with deaths and sickness. But you you were your your mom your mom died on the eighth of February, and you just it wanted is. to you just yeah. wanted to pick up on that because you say that people might think that this was over a kind of a long period of time. But yeah, the, but, yeah, yeah. It seems um, to a lot of the broadcasts and the articles that are being written, you know, um, it's kind of been said um, 21 deaths over January and February when actually it was from the 31st of January until the 11th of February, there was 22 people died in Ballino. Um, so it was only 12 days and it was, you know, 22 people. But like that now in total... January and February it was 27 but it, you know in just, that 10 day period that, you know? yeah, in that 10 day period yeah. there were 21 deaths yeah well it was actually 22, 22 but I know I know a lot of what's out there is saying 21 but it was 22 residents passed away starting kind of from the 31st until the 11th you know um, so yeah you know it's an awful lot of people in such a short space of time and I just felt it just needed to be clarified because there's a big difference between that and maybe people thinking that it was over eight weeks, you know, between January and February. You know, it's I know. It such a short space of time. And, I know, I know. You know, a couple of people a day being brought out of there and, you know, it was just soul-destroying, you know. I know. Did you, did you, did you manage to, to visit or were you there for your ma'am? 
no, well, that you see, there wasn't, I, to be honest, I don't really think anybody had anybody with them when they passed away. You know, we were all either at home or, like in Christine's case, they were at the window. Um, yeah. But as far as I know, the majority, if not all of them, passed away on their own. Um, and it's just the whole fact that, we know, like I know, my mother passed away on the 8th of February. And I know on the, on the 2nd of February... It was just like that. Now a staff member contacted the HSE and begged them to come in and try and save some of the lives. And I know it was too late for some residents at that stage, but there was a lot of them were still alive, including my mum, you know. And it's just, you're just, it's just tearing us apart. Even thinking that if somebody had gone in at that point, I mean, that was six days before my mum passed away. And at that stage, we thought she was doing well. And I mean, could she have been saved? Could all of them have been saved, or the majority of them? That you know, if somebody had to just listen. As in, if they had been brought member, to you know? as you are you saying, brought to ICU? Is it Jeanette? Anything, anything at all? You know that somebody had been trying to make people aware on the second of February, and the majority of the deaths happened after that. You know that could it have been stopped and could things be different and could I be sitting out there now having a visit with my mom or a window you, visit you, or you, you, tom- you there, torment you know? yourself with unanswered questions That's don't terrible, you? absolutely terrible you have no idea and it's just it's getting worse and worse you know and you know, just families are just broken from it they really are and I know myself it's just morning, noon and night you know People are trying, and just the fact that you know they died on their own, you don't know how long they were on their own after that. Was it hours where they found straight away? You just don't know anything, you know. But what, what, but you got a, you, you know, so did you get a phone call then, was it? Yeah, yeah, we got a phone call um, that morning um, to say she passed away, as you can imagine. I mean, we, I was hoping to get into her that day and try, you know, again, and. You know, you're just it's the worst, worst phone call you could ever get in your life. And then, obviously, we didn't get to see her at all at any stage then afterwards, you know. So not seeing somebody after they've passed either makes it very, very hard to... So from that moment uh, onwards, you, know? um, you never saw your mum again. Um, and, no, f- and forgive me, no. that would have been a closed coffin lid then, is it? It was. It was closed coffin. And, and like that, I know, I think maybe Sean or there was somebody else on last week in the same, the same thing that it's... You always have this question in your mind, go, because there's that many people coming out of there in that few days. It's like, God, was that my mom? Was you know? I, I you often know, think of that because you know, when he said that, when he said that to me on Friday, and others people said mm. it to me last year, yeah, I find yeah. that very difficult to deal with. Actually, people it who is, say I don't know awful. who was in the coffin. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely, and it's like a torture going on and on and on, and it's because I think maybe. If we'll say if my mom was the only person being brought out of Ballino in that few days, obviously, you, you know, but there was just so many, you know, some days there was, you know, there was a couple, obviously, you know, when you count the numbers coming out. And I know it was said already, um, Jimmy had said it, you know, they were just, you know, passing his room. And, you know, it's just awful when you. It's Jimmy, Jimmy said it, that, you know? yeah, he, he said that. He knew he was finished. He, he just, did, yeah. He and the it. nicest man you could ever meet. He was just, you talk to him every evening, you know, when we'd deal with my mom or at lunchtime, he'd be passing up and down, you know, and he was just so lovely, you know. And for him to have to look at that, at somebody that, you know, knew what was going on around him, you know. He knew what was going to happen and he, he, he was he right. Did. He died. Yeah. He did. And it's just heartbreaking for everybody, for Arlene and his family, for everybody, you know. There's nobody you know, at, oh, after coming out of this without questions or without the torment of trying to figure out what happened or, 
you know, was their family member with somebody were they on their own? I, I think we all know more or less that they were all on their own, but you just, it's just, it's just, it's ripping us apart, you know, really is. And then knowing that the HSC were begged to come in on the 2nd of February, you know, in, you know, in time to have saved some of those people is just, it's just awful, absolutely I awful. I know, I know. I know, and you're carrying that with you. I know. And it, do you do you do you visit your mum's grave? Do you know we actually got my mum cremated? Oh, so yeah. yeah, you know she we we actually at the we're, I think we're going to down the lane decide on what we'll do. But at the minute it's just not the right time. But we kind of have her ashes between us now. She kind of bouncing around from house to house, you know, in between the weeks. So I you know, know it's lovely, and uh, you know I feel. We we needed to keep her with us, and we were able to bring her home for the first time in a long time by doing that as well, you know. And it meant a lot to me, and it meant a lot to you know to us. And when was the last nice when, me, so when was know? the last time that you did sit with your mother and chat with your mother? It, see, the last time was a window visit. It was the week before when they just before the the window visits had been stopped as well, you know. Um, so yeah, it was a window visit, but um, Are you on the phone like through no, the glass kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. They what they had was they had, they had a brilliant setup. I, 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 you know, I never rang them that way. They had a fantastic setup, and they had kind of headphones connected to a mobile phone, so we would ring the mobile phone then, and my mom would hear us, but. Like my mom, you know, was at very end stages of dementia, so she, she couldn't really, you know, she couldn't speak or she. But we knew she'd react to our voices, and we'd be kind of we'd playing music outside. Then, and, and you oh, know, and God's you know, sake, but, you know, um, but that was the last time I was able to sit with her. Other than we got in the few days, then as she was, you know, before she passed away. But that was my last proper visit, as um, you know, just a normal visit. But far we got from in, normal. Far from normal. No, I know, I know. But, you know, it's surprised, you'd be surprised what becomes the new normal, you know, after the year. It, it, it did become normal, you know, but I suppose we were counting down the days to get in and get back to what was going to be our real normal, or, you know. I know, you were hoping to get through it. I, you know, I hope that the torment yeah. and, and passes, you know. I don't think, I, I think, no, I don't, at the moment, I can't imagine it ever will, but I know it's probably never going to go away, but it's prob- it's going to be a case of, trying to figure out a way of dealing with it, getting the answers we need and trying to make some kind of peace with it and just hoping that my mom is at peace with it and, you know, and that she's okay. Know. You know, that's the main thing really at the end of it. I know. Is, she, is your dad alive or is she with your dad now? He, he, no, my dad, he is. He's alive and yeah. my heart breaks looking at him as well because he's, you know, he's caught up in, with trying to figure all this out and trying to get the answers for us and then he's, you know, he's having to deal with us upset and trying to make sure we're okay and, you know, and, you know, my heart is breaking for him, you know, it's very hard and, like, he only retired just before the lockdown so, you know, his plan, he would have been able to spend so much time with my mum and, you know, even though she was in a nursing home but he he was always there even when he was working, you know, he was there every day and even the fact that he... He, you know, he lost out on that year and then never got to be back in with her properly, you know, to spend any bit of time oh, with you her. Were you, all, know? you were all robbed, every single one of you. Everybody, everybody, you know. Totally just, robbed. And, you know, and it could have been so, I don't know, I just feel it definitely, if not, you know, maybe not all all of the re- residents would have been saved, but at least I can't understand. Had done something, I can't you know? understand what two people who are waiting on the results of a test were doing in a day room, but... Oh, it's, it's insane, absolutely makes, insane. Considering and, that we know, had twelve, we had twelve months of this before that, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that nursing home. I know that nursing home, and 
that didn't need to happen. And it's a big enough nursing home to keep make sure people are kept segregated and kept separated and just for the sake of waiting on test results. Well, sure, you I know. know. I mean, it's awful for you. I know. It really know. is. It really and, is. and everything was going so well in there, you know. While I was talking to them, they were COVID-free. They had a great year oh, in that regard. Absolutely and brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But like that then, a change of management and a change of different things that everything went on changed. and things changed and you know, went downhill from there on in. What you know, can I tell you, Jeanette? You know, There's nothing I can do I except listen to you and, and, and I, know, I feel I know. your pain. And look, thanks a million for highlighting it. And, right. you know, it's a great, it's a great help to, you know, try and get answers okay. and, right. you know, get families to show it. Okay. My thoughts are with you and your dad and indeed your late mum, Veronica. All right. Thanks a million, Nick. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. My thanks to Sarah because she's been waiting for far too long. Sarah, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, thank you so much. I don't want to know the name of the nursing home. We're not talking about okay. Ballyno, and I don't want to know no. where you were, but you were a healthcare assistant. You were doing a course a few years back, was it? It was three years ago. I. Um I worked in a nursing home, a few nursing homes in um, England in the 80s. And then I reared my kids and I thought, I'd like to go back into that work. You know, I like, I just love old people. And um, I was three or four months into the course and my um, work experience came up. And I searched for a few and I got one anyway. And I was delighted to get it. And I was all excited and I arrived. And I was put straight into, uh, sorry, now I'm a bit breathless, a bit nervous. Oh, Granger, you're just chatting to me. I went, I went straight into um, the acute area. And I hadn't walked in that area when I walked in England. It was just like the people I was able to just bring them to the toilet and stuff like that. But these were bed bone people. Mm-hmm. And um, I was put straight in when I went in the door. Hello, straight down there. So I was put with this healthcare assistant and she wasn't Irish that's all I say she wasn't Irish because at the end of the day I was to myself foreign people maybe they just don't want to look after our people you know the way that we would maybe I'm wrong that was my thought at the end of the day so that was your thought after the experience or you you at the the end at the end of the day in the nursing home that was my my thought we've been with her all day Having been with the healthcare assistant, no, all her, she, she, I shadowed her all day. Go on, get, go ahead. Yeah, you're grand. So yeah. that was grand anyway. First room we went into, woman couldn't speak or anything, so we got her ready in the bed and we changed her pads and we got her dressed. And the other one, I know she was very, very rough. And like my mum was old and died frail as well. And I know how gentle you have to be with old people. And, um, so she said to me, we'll her out now into the, the dining area. So we had her out, I'd her out there by nine o'clock and there was a certain amount of people that could get out by half past nine, ten o'clock. You had to be in the, the sitting area to watch the telly. Or in the morning in, we're talking about that. In the morning, yeah. in the morning. Yeah. So I get on to the next woman anyway and bed bones as well. Barely could move. But she wasn't that old. I'd say if she was 60, she was a lot. I don't know what happened to her. It was like she had a stroke or something. Okay. So, so you know, one is talking to me anyway, as if like these people are not even in the room. And I'm like, are you okay? And I was rubbing her leg. And so we had to wear gloves. So the woman was silent and she changed and she's showing me what to do. But I had learned all this on the course anyway, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, how, to, how to do all that before we went out on our placement. So that was fine anyway. So, 
got it and she's looking up at me and I'm, I'm very soft or it gets very emotional my eyes were filling and I was you know so that was fine anyway we got her got her wheelchair out of the, um, the shower room See she could have had a stroke but mentally she could have been perfect she was perfect, Neil. Mentally, she, she was. was she was. She was connecting with you through her eyes. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my God. So I've held all this in now for three years, Neil. But anyway, so that was fine. Got my wheelchair, and the wheelchair is full of old vomit. You know, all down down the wheels and the steps, and I'm like, oh, that was grand. Anyway, into the wheelchair, and. Got her, she, she said, bring her out there now. She's just, no clothes were ironed now or anything. Just Did, at any stage it. now, was anybody talking to the residents using their first name? I'm just curious. Not, just hi, not, Mary, not, how are you, not, Jean? Oh, hello, Peg. The room. Oh, hi, Mary, how are you this morning? That was it. They couldn't respond back to me. So it was, she was treating them like that. They were just dumb. You know, they weren't human beings. Did she use their first names? Yes, when we went straight into the room. And come on now, Mary, lift up your arm now and, and things like that, you know. And yeah. I was being so gentle and she was saying, we have to do this quickly because we have to get another four out of their room and get them out. So it was, it was very rough. Rough, and, yeah. um, and it was just pieces like pieces of meat, you know. So I brought her out into the room and I came back to the room and she said, do you see her now? She said, um, that one is HIV. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Like, she shouldn't have even told me this. No, anyway, because my first hour in the job. And she just shouldn't have said that. And then she told me the story, how she got it. And um, she she deserved what she got. And she, she starts talking about the woman. So I'm like... She deserved what? what she got. She Adrian. deserved to get HIV because of her lifestyle. And she really very opinionated so woman. No. I didn't... I Be passing just, remarks no, like I that. actually just wanted to knock her out now. In, in the room, Neil. So she was sweating then. She was a big, huge one. She was sweating. The sweat was pouring down her face. She opened the cupboard anyway to get all the clean sheets and stuff because the woman signed the sheets. And she picked the sheets the sheets out and she pressed it up to her face and rubbed it and she went, oh, clean all the sweat off her face, Neil, right? So Mother of God. Like, I, I, at this stage, Neil, I'm afraid of her. That's why I've never actually reported because I was afraid of her. And still, if I ever bumped into her, no, you only started one. Probably wouldn't remember her, but I would remember her. That was grand anyway. So she pulled the sheets away from her face, me, and she opened out to make the bed, and there's stains on it. Like, um, it could have been feces stains or like blood stains that didn't come out fully in the wash. And she's after rubbing her face, the sweat off her face now onto this. And she went, Jesus, I've been crying. What the heaven is that? And you know, inside me, I kind of like, hmm. And I thought to myself, that's calm. And now anyway, girl, so she lost the plot anyway. She went down. She was only day. concerned because she wiped the sweat off her well, brow yeah. with uh, with yeah. some, with the soiled she, sheet. Yeah. With the soiled yeah, sheet. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. it looked clean and everything. No, I know. That was I know. She put it all into the hallway anyway and she said to the girl doing the laundry, that sheet, they're not clean, blah, blah, blah. The next room we go down to me, Old woman, oh God, love us. Non-verbal, blah, blah, blah. Changed her, she was soiled. Changed her, put her into her wheelchair and she's putting on her jewellery and her clip-on earrings. The healthcare assistant is doing all this and fixing her card again. And next, what I saw, I was like, oh my God. So the same gloves, Neil. Oh, she told me then to keep the same gloves because there's a shortage. Don't be using too many gloves. 
with the same gloves, Neil, that she just cleaned the woman's bottom with, she took her false teeth out of the jar. She put her hands into the jar with the get the false teeth and put them into the woman's mouth. Oh, man. That's that's so wrong. So, so when levels. when I when I heard Neil about COVID rampant in the nursing homes, I thought, oh my God, no wonder it is with the likes of her. But maybe she's just the one. Do you know what I mean? Maybe could, you she, just she happen to come. Mean, she could like be she's cold, she's distant, she's rough. Oh, she thinks that the residents are a nuisance. But I maybe there's not so. many like her. Well, I tell you from the bottom of my heart, Neil, when I, I never went back to the course and when I got back onto the college the next morning, they were, they were like, Maeve, Sarah, please, please, please come back. You're, you're so good. And I was actually doing so well with my assignments. And I, was, I can't. It, it, my heart. I can't. It's too you just couldn't do it because because you had a yeah you had a love of this job. Ex- exactly. So she didn't have a love of this. Job. Where she regarded them as just being a nuisance so and in the she, way. And she said to me on the break. She says, "Well, what do you think?" And I said, "I don't know. Is it for me?" And she was like, "Well, it is only ten euro an hour." And that's what it was boiling down to. To her, it was just a job. But oh my God, I mean, for people who are listening to this, for instance, who might have a family member in residential care, they'd be very concerned as to how they're being treated when the families aren't there visiting. But Neil, there was was another woman, so you could tell the difference then between the people that were cared for by their family, that were coming in a lot, and the people that weren't cared for by their family. This old woman, she must have been about 95 frail now little old woman in the corner we walked in and she's don't hit me don't hit me she said don't take any notice of her she's female and the woman looked at me and I'm you're okay so she gets the hairbrush anyway and she's like oh you're hurting me you're hurting me my eyes were filling up and I said is it okay if I brush her hair you're look we just have to hurry she said oh you're hurting me don't hit me she cracked her with the brush nail on the head the woman was about 95 she cracked the brush and I took the brush and I said I will do it for her. There's no well, when you say she cracked it with the brush because she was she, brushing it too roughly. Neil, the woman barely had hair. So she was about 95, no, real old, real in the bed. And so I kind of bonded with her then. And she was like, she says, I'm not hitting me. I'm not hitting me. And she was putting her hand up. So obviously this had been done already. But she told me she was doing this work for the last couple of weeks all on her own, Neil. So you, there's, there's ways certain ways that you have to lift these patients into high and chairs. You're not to do that on your own. So she's yeah, but this little woman up in her arms and I'm like, I'll help you, Eric, and just clumped her into the, the wheelchair. And she did and did that bones. did that that elderly woman would have very frail and brittle bones. What oh, did it hurt her? It did. She was like, Oh little porcelain doll god love I I heartbroken. Heartbroken. <laughs> You see, then when I was passing it, when I was passing in and out, then I'd go over and I was, yeah, right. And she was looking at me because she felt she felt comfortable with me. She, but she wasn't the only person me that didn't want this healthcare system around her. There was another man, and I went in and I said, "Oh, you look very like my dad. My dad has passed as well, you know, with the black glasses." I said, "You look," and he was like, "Get out, get out to her." And she says, "Don't take no notice of him. No, he's mad." So I. Built up a rapport with him through the days, and I kept opening the door and popping in, and he, you know he was smiling, Neil. And I was, look, I'm after bringing that bit of happiness to a few of them that day. So they're they're all outside anyway, and the girl that she said she's HIV, 
she just kept smiling at me every time I passed. I went over, catch her hand, be okay, do you need anything? So they're just sat then, Neil. They're just sat inside in that room then. So I was there from half the state until five o'clock. N- none of them were taken out and changed in the course of the day. Right. At all. Right. At all. So they're sitting in their pads and they're never changed. So they're to get their three meals sitting in there. So I went on a break anyway with this guy that was on placement with me, an African guy. And I said to him, I said, I can't do this. And he was like, just, just, just don't know what's going on. He said, look, it's only four weeks and, you know, you have your placement done. And I'm like, I, do you understand? I can't. This other woman, Neil, her daughter came in every night, laid out her clothes because the healthcare assistant said, These, her, her daughter comes in and this is what she, to, to, to be put on her. So she was scared of her. And she didn't want her to put her false teeth in, so I went and changed the gloves. And she said, you just put those gloves on. I said, I know, but I'm going to be putting her false teeth in. I said, and like put in her false teeth, fixed her hair, brought her out. So when I'm leaving the job at the end of the day, when my time was up, Neil, um, she's with her daughter, the lovely woman out, and she called me. And her mother was non-verbal now as well. And she says, um, you're new here, are you? I said, I am. I said, today is my first day. She says, but I tell you what now, she says, I haven't been my mum this happy in a long time. She said, she's certainly shine to you. And I, I started roaring and crying because I thought, I knew at that stage I you wasn't going back, back. Yeah. at all. Yeah. But it, to me, I'm like, oh my God, if, if they only knew what their parents are going through. So she says, oh my God, I, I, you're upset. I said, you know what now? I said, I'm just thinking of my mum, and I'm getting very emotional. But it, it, it wasn't that. You didn't at that. You didn't at that stage feel like saying to her, "Listen, you I have no idea how I tough it is." I not I, I didn't know where I stood, and like, I've been on to people after that. The, the college said, "Well, if, if you report it, this, this, that," and then I got onto some person I knew that was had her own HR business, and I said, "I want to go to Hick about this." For them to, to go and see what's going on. And he said to me, he said, it's just your word again. There's. No, I think not. Yeah. I think that's no, the... No, Hikwa, one, no one pushed me, Neil, Hikwa to would, report Hikwa, Hikwa would. But the problem with Hikwa is they will call in advance and let the establishment know that they're visiting. Well, they should, they you shouldn't see, do that, Neil. You see the, the residents that you were dealing with, each and every one of those, they, yeah. were, they were afraid of that healthcare assistant. I know, they, Neil, Neil. I, was, I, I, came, I came home. I couldn't go home. I actually had to go to my sister's. For a couple of hours because I was traumatized. And and when I when I got home, I went in and I said to my family, I I was crying and I said, please, please, if anything ever happens to me, if I got a bit, if I had a stroke or if I was incapacitated, and and I have my mind, please don't put me into a nursing home. Yes, but you please, see, here we are now. Please. We're generalizing because one would make the assumption from what you're saying is that you're saying all nursing homes are like that. But we, I'm not. I'm not saying that, Neil. I'm just saying. Maybe I, I could get a carer like like her. Do you know D- what I mean? Can can family does GDPR allow family members to any v- video access or uh, live cameras from inside nursing homes? No, I would imagine not. No, I don't. I don't know. Any. Okay, so but we'll say no to that. But but you say from nine in the morning to five. What Half happened? Okay, no, but you know when they're in the in that in the day room and wheeled in yeah. and yeah. like and they're. What do they do all day? So those that are can communicate are just sat at the kitchen table. There's loads of kitchen tables with those eyes 
clots on them. Now, if a person came in doing games and stuff, maybe for an hour, so there's a television on. So those that are non-verbal, they just, they're just sat there and leave. They're just sat there and you're passing in and out because you have to pass in and out of the day room to get to certain rooms. And I'm like, this is very, very sad. And I'm like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't, couldn't do that work. So I never went back and, and finished the course and I had loads of assignments done. And I did very but well, you, and they were begging me to go back. You're an awful and, loss to the profession, I have to say. Eggs. And that's that's what they said to me. They said, "It's people like you, we do need in the nursing homes." So I'd rather do. I would rather look after someone privately. You know? But you see, it strikes me from our conversation that there could be people working in the profession treating it like they feel they should treat a job that pays them 10 euro an hour. Exactly. Do I make sense when I say that? Yeah. Because she said that to you, oh, for God's sake, we're only paid 10 euro an hour. That that allows them. Her heart heart wasn't, like she hadn't, you you just know that she was very fall. Like we went into one room and the guy says, no, no, get out, get out. And she was, oh, don't take any notice of him. And he was, you're hurting me, you're hurting me. I'm not hurting you. And I was like, one minute there, I said, let me try. And he he loved me at the end of the day. And what what was so what was so sad for me going out the door was they probably think I'm coming back tomorrow. Because I, when, I, when I was walking and I was introducing myself and I was, I knew where today. You know, used to mean I was the first day. I know, said, I know. They're yeah. this and they're that. And I built up a rapport with them and when I, when I was leaving, I was saying, I'm never going to see these people again. Very sad. And they're probably thinking, we'll, we'll see her now in the morning. She was lovely, it, you know? This, this conversation creates an awful lot of worry in families listening to it. What would you say yeah, to that? Yeah, I listen to Jeanette there now. I'm thinking, like, should I be talking about this at all? And my sincere condolences to Jeanette and her family and the passing of her mum. But what should families um, be doing to assure the safety and the happiness and the comfort of a loved one? I mean, you're saying all day in the same pads, like, I mean... Like, like because it's too it's too much. She told me this. Once they're out in the day room, they're not brought back in until half is four. They're, like when I was leaving my shift, that's when they were starting to be brought back one by one to be changed. But it sounds as if it sounds as if your work in the morning was on the clock. We have X amount of rooms to do, and it's only me, and we have to do it fast. But yet, but yet, families, yet families and the residents within the nursing home you're talking about could be paying a grand a week. Exactly, Neil. It's. I'm telling you now. I was. I was trauma. I was traumatized for a long time after that. Very sad. Traumatized. Very sad. Very sad. Yeah. Yeah. And I know. I know some people don't have a choice and put their uh, family members into nursing homes, but you would expect that they're having been looked after really well. And I just feel really sorry for the people that don't have families to go to visit them because they're just treated like. They're not even human, you know? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, Sarah, thank you for sharing your experience. Okay. It's, it's a Thanks worry and it's me. very, very, very concerning. Thank you so much. Yeah. Take care. Cheers. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Text Bye-bye. on that, lads. Text 0868104106 if you'd like to share a story and won't give out your details if you don't wish to, then you can always email neil at redfm.ie. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 1850 104 106. Okay, lads, uh, day two of our giveaways in association with com. You can book your escape, www.maldronhotels.com. Today it's the Oran Moore in Galway, the Maldron Hotel of the Oran Moore in Galway. Two nights bed and breakfast, two people. Artists and titles, these three songs, caller 10 on 
and one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. And the world's alright. You talk about um, degradation or a degrading incident, and the stories from Sarah certainly were all of those. But there was a. I mean, you couldn't make this up. It's a story in the examiner this morning of a female solicitor who was visiting a client in uh, Cloverhill Prison. Um, and this was in June of last year, subjected to a degrading incident. You wouldn't, I mean, this wouldn't be tolerated for the prisoners, never mind the visitors or a solicitor visiting a client. The alarm went off, you see, when she was going through the security monitor. And she was directed then to take off her shoes and her earrings and her watch and her jacket. She passed through again, sounded again. She alleges that in her complaint that one man in the group of male prison officers asked her, are you wearing any underwear? Uh, going on to state that this was the reason the alarm was sounding. Um, I don't know if he was talking about maybe the wire and the brass strap or something like that. She was told that she would not be able to go in. Um, so she said she'd have to take off her underwear. Um, if, you, if she wanted to gain access, you'd have to take off your underwear. Um, she said the visit was urgent and she had no option than to comply with the condition of entry. She says she was horrified by what happened, embarrassed and exploited. Another guard said you can go to the bathroom and remove your bra there. Um, she felt very vulnerable, clearly so. In fact, she then tried to cover herself with her jacket for the rest of the visit. Um, and she says, I've never been treated in such a degrading manner. I mean, to be asked those questions at all, there's got to be a better way of doing this. And um, I don't really think... It's the kind of question that if it's being asked at all, it should be asked by a, a man. But what was extraordinary about it was that she later found out that a male colleague, a male solicitor had visited the same uh, prison, in fact, the same client. And the alarm sounded three times when he was passing through the scanner. But no similar request was made of him and he was just automatically admitted. Now, these are allegations. These are claims that she makes. It's a story that makes the front of the examiner this morning while visiting a client in Cloverhill Prison. I mean, isn't, isn't it extraordinary? It really is. Okay, um, I don't have much time now. I want to get more, one more call on the air before I leave you for the day that's in it. Amanda, good morning. Good morning. So we heard of the 100 euro at McDonald's and the Carlo man down in Killarney um, for yeah. the 50th wedding anniversary. What, what was the story with your son? Um, he started, he wanted to learn how to play guitar. Good. So we, he's, his friends that had one, he said he could test it out in that for a few weeks, which he did. He said he liked it. So we went up to Cork. We bought one in cash converters, but unfortunately it fell and broke a couple of months later. Uh-oh. So my son was devastated. So I said, look, we'll go back up, get you another one. Our limit was 300 euros. So we went back up to cash converters. They had none to suit. So we went over then to Pro Musica in town. And he picked up a Yamaha, a similar Yamaha to what he had. He oh, and is this, are we talking electric guitar now or are we talking acoustic? No, acoustic. Okay. Acoustic. Okay. Yeah. So, so he was just sitting there testing it out like you have to. And this random guy comes over and starts chatting to him. And Jake was talking to him and saying, oh, I've only been playing a couple of months. And, you know, I'm self-teaching myself from the internet. And your man was just very surprised. So he was talking away to me and him. And he turned around to me and says, I don't mean to sound rude. He said, but do you mind if I buy your son a guitar? <laughs> you know, that's weird and I said oh, what do you mean he said I, he just said I see something in him he's only he said he's at a level where it took me years to get there he's at the same level as that so I said okay and Jake was just looking at me weird so how old is Jake that. incidentally he's 17 now he started last year he was 16 when he started playing and is he handy like He's very handy. He's all self-taught. 
So your man kind of hears him strumming he or... He goes over to him. He's only been playing a couple of months at the time. Picking away, yeah, right. And he goes over to him and just starts talking to him. And, you know, ask him about the music, how long he's been playing, did he have lessons, etc. And my son was just saying, no, I just self-taught, I just got into it, I just love since COVID is there. I sit there every day, I play the guitar every day and I, t- I learn from the internet. But he was shocked. So he just, you know, asked me, could I, could he buy him a guitar? He said, look, I'm after having a good day at work, he said, and I, I want to do a good deed for someone. So I said, okay. So he called a staff member over and he said, look, could you look after Jake with a guitar similar to the price of my one? And I could see the guy had his guitar in his hand that was 1,900 euros. Oh, for God's sake. Oh, yes. I thought he's having, yeah, so I said, you're actually having the last one. So I said, okay, we'll see where this goes. So the guy, the staff member, comes over, hands Jake a guitar worth about nearly a thousand euro, and he says to Jake, sit there and play with that. So Jake is sitting there loving it. He didn't know the price, but I seen the price. I went over to Jake, I said, Jake, you're not getting that. That's nearly a thousand euro. Forget it. So he came over, he was sitting there, your man comes back and he says, how would you like that? Jake says, yeah, it's good. And he says, look, I won't be getting this, it's too expensive. So your man called the staff member over, he said, Jake likes this one. He said, pack that up. And he said, put it in a hardback case as well. It worked. All together it came to a thousand euro. Man paid for it and that was it. What? I feel so. Euro. I feel so. I feel so inadequate when I hear stories like that. I really. Thousand euro. And was this like? Who was he? Was he a musician? Is he, he famous? Is he, is he? No, he he was just someone that just wanted to play. His son was also picking up a guitar. He was with his son, and he was also picking up a guitar for himself. But he just said he had a good day at work and he wanted to do a good deed for someone. And he just paid for it. Like gave a credit paid card it. and paid for it. Get and was 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 Eileen was Eileen Madden there, the boss of Pro Music? Was she there? No, I don't know. There was a guy that was dealing it, but the guy obviously knew this person <laughs> because he he must have believed him because he just straight away went over and bought him a, Mar- a, Marti- a Martini's guitar. I think it's called. Don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't yeah. really know. Uh, I mean, I know it's a thousand euro worth of guitar. It's a lot of yeah. money. Yeah, so we, we were, I was shaking, we left the shop and we were shaking. So I went over to him before we left, I said, look, can I please have your number? I said, I'd like to send you a, uh, um, a video of Jake actually playing the guitar, which we actually have. you got to send me that video, never mind your man. We got <laughs> That is an incredible, I don't think you realise how fabulous that story is. A thousand euros, I said, we just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And God only knows what Jake's going to do with that guitar or how talented he he's say, going to be. He did say to Jake, he said, if I ask you to do something now, he said, if you ever make money from music, he said, I'd like you to come up here and do exactly what I've done for you. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, that's just off so, the Richter And Jake said, scale. if I ever made money from, from guitar, he said, I would come up to the shop and just buy someone who I thought deserved one. He'd buy him one. Well, I don't think we're ever going to find out who this person is because he probably... Yeah. Well, I have his with... number. Yeah, yeah, I have his number. I don't know. Would it be? Would it be? Would he be worth a call? Oh, if you want. I mean, to, I, I, mean I mean, maybe you could call him and see. Number. Maybe you could call him and see if he's interested in chatting. But he might be a private person that just wants to do this yeah, below the I, radar. Actually, as I said, he was a complete stranger. I don't know. Don't unreal. Know it's all. unreal. Can yeah. you send me on some video work of Jake with the guitar, I, I, please? I'm actually want Jake to update that because he hasn't had a couple of videos. So I'm going to actually. Would you please I'm get him to do to, it? Yeah, yeah, I'll get him to do some videos. Because I'd, I'd love to follow up and just, you know, share the video yeah, and his I talent. He loves it. He plays it every single day. Unbelievable. I mean, like, as I said, he's self-taught and my daughter had a birthday. Unbe- unbelievable. Sorry, I, I, I don't know. You still there? You still there, Amanda? No, I mean... I, I do Yeah, I, I tell you what. I, I will come back to it, Amanda. My Sorry, I'm just trying to get different phone lines on. So I have cut you short for now. But I may well come back and revisit an incredible story tomorrow. Brendan! 
I'm off, I'm off, I'm, actually, tell you what, can I just say the Brendan Barrett from Cork City, who is down uh, getting his vaccination right now, got the three songs right. So he's today's winner, which is uh, the Modern Hotel in Ormore, two nights bed and breakfast for two people. He correctly identified and the world's Bill Withers' Lovely Day, Fresh Prince in Summertime. And Alice Cooper schools out. All right. And the world's all right because you're invited to a barbecue for the summer if you edit all those together. So well done, Mark. Thank you for that. We'll have day three tomorrow with the Modern Hotel, Sandy Road, Dublin. Is it Sandy Road? I'm assuming it is tomorrow. Off to Dublin for a couple of nights. And then on Thursday, Port Leash. And on Friday, Newlands Cross. So all that to come. Lines will stay open at one 106 Brendan, I cut you off, my friend, but would you please call back so I can get an address? Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.